Welcome back, Martini Giant fans. This is episode number 42, which is the 2017 film The Death of Stalin, directed by Armando Iannucci and starring uh, Steve Buscemi, Simon Russell Beale, Jeffrey Tambor, Michael Palin, and many, many more. Uh, Armando Iannucci is famous for directing some uh, very funny political films, such as The Thick of It, but he's actually probably the most well-known for being one of the writers and creators of the show Veep on HBO, which is a quite hilarious political show as well. Now, this is specifically, obviously, about the death of Stalin. It literally is the death of Stalin. And it is a history film, but it is not done in a serious tone. It is done as a satire and a comedy, and it is quite funny as such and also quite terrifying. I thought it was appropriate that we play this right now because obviously there's huge turmoils politically and they have massive parallels to what's going on in this film. You know, in Stalin, there's a lot of people in his inner circle that were terrified that they were going to lose their life or in our case, lose their jobs if they disagreed with him, with the with the tyrant that is in office at that time. So it is quite interesting to think of it that way. Um, I do want to do a small note. Um, as you may know, uh, I have a couple of podcasts, uh, but this podcast specifically is a podcast that uh, Eric and Dan and I do on our own. So it's kind of our own voices. We can say what we want. It's a little bit more freeing for me to be able to express myself on this podcast. And uh, I want to note a little bit, get a little deeper into a problem I was having uh, with what's going on in uh, the United States uh, these last few weeks and the turmoil politically. Uh, that's happening. Um, I think there's a lot of people out there that need to acknowledge very, very much so that they are, that other people in this country are not being treated equally and have a great fear for their lives and for their rights and their abilities to, um, to move forward and to progress uh, and have the same opportunities that anyone else would have. Uh, and I don't think it's fair and I think it's come to a head and I think people are reacting to it and feeling very strongly about that. And I think it's correct that we take some time to think about those things. Um, so uh, we will get back to the regularly scheduled silliness of Martini Giant. But for now, can we please just take just a small moment and think about those things and what we can do to help? So I, I ask a couple of things. Uh, I know you guys listen to this podcast to hear uh, stupid opinions about stupid things and about movies from silly people like Dan and Eric and I. Uh, and it is a lot of fun. And never, ever should you take us seriously uh, because we are just uh, silly people. Uh, and But we enjoy our movies. And hopefully you guys enjoy them too in the same way that we do. Um, and so that is a good escape for you guys. And, you know, there is three hours, so you have plenty of time to escape during that time. But after you're done, please go out there and think about what you can do to help people. Uh, also think about how you can do that and also be safe on your own and being healthy. Try to be safe. Try to be healthy. Be respectful of others. Be respectful of each other's spaces. And be respectful of people being able to express themselves the way they feel they need to express themselves. Now, you guys can enjoy this great episode of The Death of Stalin. Well, this is our, gosh, how many, how many weeks? We've been in isolation for a while. Karen's bringing me pizza. Thank you. <laughs> nice deal. I think I have sushi on the way. 
I'm very excited. You have sushi on the way. Thank and you. Grubhub sushi on the way. This is uh, our fancy night. Uh, yes. Usually, usually it's uh, uh, it's home cooked food, but uh, um, uh, we decided to go all out and get some. Uh, uh, it, it's really bizarre that even though we are we live out apart from Los Angeles, like beyond Pasadena, um, right? But there's some really really good sushi out here. It's really strange. Um, well, this and, and yeah. so we're uh, we're uh, taking a little treat time tonight. I'm excited. Nice. So there will be an interruption where I uh, where I I chew on things. I'm doing the same thing with the pizza right now. Yeah, nicely done. Um, what kind of pizza are you great. eating? I don't even know. But it was overcooked <laughs> in the see. oven. Uh-huh. It was overcooked in the oven, so it's got a a burnt crust on the bottom. Oh yeah. But I yeah. actually really liked burnt crust on. Yeah, the pizza. I like that too. Yeah, a little bit of a Cajun blackened. Uh, it's like underside. a Cajun blackened pizza bottom. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Somehow, to me, that feels that feels good. Do you I like agree. your toast done a little extra, like a little darker than normal? Yeah, I like I like to have make a challenge out of it. I like a, mm-hmm. a little bit of a workout with the uh, old uh, beard zone. I don't know what that means. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of, speaking of burnt bur- burning things that mm-hmm. that you, you you dislike, um, like this movie, um, no, uh, <laughs> yeah, this was an interesting movie. So, uh, what is the movie we're doing tonight? The movie we're doing tonight is called The Death of Stalin. The Death of Stalin. That's right. Which uh, was a suggestion from a friend of mine named Charles Borland. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a very interesting film. There's a <laughs> lot of things to discuss here in terms of this film. By the way, it's a, it is a hundred percent available of, uh, right now on Netflix. Netflix. Yep. yep, and it's uh, it's it's you. It's a comedy, technically speaking. <laughs> <laughs> As comedic um, as this stuff can be, it is a comedy. Yes, this is is it it is as comedic about one of the most horrible people in the world as possible. Yes. <laughs> uh but I'm curious, like have you guys actually seen it before this? Like did you watch it for this? Uh this is my fifth time seeing it. Fifth time, okay. Yep. I'm a big fan of this movie and of the, this director in general. Who's the director? Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy's name is uh, at the oh, it's uh, Armando Iannucci, mm-hmm. and uh, he also did um, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, uh, the Veep. thick of it um, uh, in for British TV, which has been to a movie called uh, uh, In the Loop, which won for best mm-hmm. screenplay, uh, and uh, and he also uh, does Veep on HBO, and uh, yeah, he's famous for these very like. Uh, uh, archly satirical, mean spirited, yeah. complex political uh, uh, statement films and shows. Um, but he, uh, I think, he, like for me, it's like it's, I got I got into him from watching randomly seeing um, uh, the thick of it with uh, Peter Capaldi, who was one of the he was one of the new Doctor Who's, uh, and uh, someone had sent me a. Uh, uh, a friend of mine had sent me like a clip of all the best moments that uh, Capaldi has on that show, 
And it was so funny, I it blew my mind. And from there, I went and I looked up all of Yanucci's uh, material. And uh, I've been a fan ever since. It is... Uh, it's a really textured film. There's so much going on. Uh, so I, I understand how you saw it five times. Because yeah, I saw a, it for the a, first time. Yeah, he makes some complicated movies, for sure. Yeah, it, I mean, I was just thinking of just... On one angle, I was thinking of the setups, and on the other angle, I just was like the just keeping pace with the dialogue and the interactions, all the character building was so much. Uh, yeah. It was it was crazy. You know what? I really thought like there was part of this. I was just kept thinking about the big chill. <laughs> you know what's interesting? It's literally the last thing I would have expected from uh, anyone talking about this movie, but I'm very yeah. interested to hear what you have to say. I, I, I agree with you, Dan. Like, I would not have said did Big Chill with this, uh, makes but I sense. totally get what you're saying. I totally get what the you're saying. The setup Stal is... Stalin is Kevin Costner. <laughs> well, I think if you step back and just... They introduce everybody as friends, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They're around the table, and one made the inappropriate joke, so the Kevin Klein character... So you set it up as friends, right? right? And they're dealing with death, and then you set it up as friends who ultimately have to deal with death. I just I thought of that movie a, a bunch of times, and just the way, um, particularly, um, oh god, what's his name? Um, uh, who became uh, the premier? What was his name? Khrushchev. Khrushchev character. Yeah, Steve Buscemi. Buscemi's, exactly. So yeah. I just thought of, I just, there was part of that. I just felt like, uh, particularly with the sister and then the brother, because that was very comedic, almost ridiculous. Like yeah, that brother, like it was like, yeah. yeah, like Broadway Danny Rose, one right yep. rose. You know, it was, uh, <laughs> it was very beautiful. It was a beautiful film. Yeah. And particularly the ending, I just, uh, you got, I have to see it again because it just kind of, really was layered and also like dark it is sinister, sinister. Yeah. what's interesting is or that the richard the third with ian mckellen was ian like, mckellen yeah. yeah it comes off yeah. it comes off though it comes off very approachable mm -hmm. like yeah. it's not it is not it is not a pretentious film no right right and so that's the thing that i think is interesting about it it doesn't come off as like you were about to watch you know, uh, a Vim Vendors film, like, ugh, you know what I mean? Like, you, <laughs> right. you're going to go into right. this, and it's going to look like Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels that happens to be about Stalin. And right. then right. Uh, you're going to be, uh, you know, you're going to be <laughs> delivered some some history knowledge, not even realizing that you got delivered this knowledge, you know? Yeah, it's, it's, a, very, it's a very slick bit of work, because, like, they have so much to, I mean, it's not like, I mean, like, I, I love this kind of material, but it's not like I know a lot about Stalin. You know, it's not like I'm... I'm right. I'm, and, and the movie is uh, makes most of its great jokes out of the way it informs you of, of what's going on. Like, it doesn't mm -hmm. just give you, like, a download of information. Like, every single thing is made into a slapstick gag. And the, uh, and the style of the editing and the style of the photography is all very, very... Uh, and the actors. Loose and modern. The actors yeah, and, were, yeah. Yeah, they're terrific. Like this, and they're all like really old school guys. I mean, you have like yeah, you know, and you know, Bashemi leading this uh, this crew, and they're all like good improv comedy uh, 
you know, uh, actors who really know how to handle From it. When Monty are... Python on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, and uh, the other yeah, thing no, that was, that was, that was fascinating. And just, just, just from a logistics point of view for people watching this, like this is based on true history of Russian and Stalin. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, they do it as a comedy and completely every, appropriately, completely <laughs> inappropriately. And every, everyone involved, all the actors involved who play all the different roles don't put on a Russian accent. They all right. use their true accents. Yeah. Steve so Buscemi sounds like Steve, Steve Buscemi. Steve Buscemi sounds like Steve Buscemi. <laughs> like, right. and then Stalin sounds, sounds like, you know, he's like, you know, English. got a, a thick Cockney accent. Yeah, like exactly. it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, but, but it does. But that harks that's back the to comedy. The, that harks back to the Richard Third uh, with Ian McKellen from the nineties. Yeah, oh, it's great. Yeah, because absolutely. it was it takes place in the thirties, so it's a totally different vibe. But you still, you're still buying that uh, those characters, and uh, right. that I do, and also the use of sets. Mm -hmm. You know, there was this the way they just kind of you can see like that set was something else. Uh, oh yeah, it's beautiful, and they're like I think that, I mean like I'm not sure what they're using to shoot in, but I mean like it's great that they have such wonderful, huge architectural sets like that, and then they basically visually just throw it away, like they don't pay a lot of attention to it, like they're no, not like, yeah. there's not like big like the, there's not big looming shots of how much money they had to make this look good, like they're they're shooting it all very intimately and very quickly, no matter how much access they have to real buildings, and it was it's really really slick. Yeah. So, do we want to give a, um, a an overview of the plot? We do, but I want to I just I want to note something mm -hmm. is that uh, the two main female actors in this movie are both actors that you and I, Dan, have worked with on another movie called Oblivion. Uh, that's right. Yes, that's true. That's right. So I the two. The two female actors in this movie are uh, uh, the one who plays the pianist and the one who mm -hmm. plays uh, Stalin's daughter. Mm -hmm. And they are the two main uh, uh, female actors in That's Oblivion. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they're terrific in this. They're both. And they're terrific. I, I had forgotten that uh, the daughter uh, was uh, Cruz's wife, right, in Oblivion? Cruz's. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Well, ma make, make, sort makeshift, of. make believe. Makeshift wife. If you watch Oblivion, <laughs> yeah. you'll get it. Right. You'll understand what we're I talking totally about. I totally forgotten that. But she was really good. She's much better. She's. Uh, That's how, how, how am I going to say this politely? She's not the pretty one. The pretty one is pretty. Is but Olga, the, uh, the, the one that is like the real character is. Uh, yeah. Uh, and she's really good. She's really good, both in Oblivion and in this film. And uh, she is she is also very pretty, but she's clearly not the uh, the the other kind of. Like Olga Koyanko is a is a movie star look. You know, she's yes. really really beautiful, and she's and she's very good in the movie too. She's also excellent. Um, yeah, but it, it, she's more classical. They were, they were both very good, and I was like, "Holy crap!" I can't like as I'm watching this, like these two female characters who both play very powerful female characters in both films, right? Yes, um, yes. Uh, are very very good. Yeah, yeah. I'm a, I, I was uh, I I'm a fan of Oblivion. I think that it's not only a good looking movie, but it's got a lot of great uh, moments in it. And one of my, and I think my favorite stuff in it is entirely to do with her and Cruz's story. 
Mm -hmm. like, as as he comes to realize what's happening, like that's the best. That's the real meat of the movie for me. The rest of it's really fun. exactly. But it's uh, her performance really really carries the weight of that movie wholesale. And I to the point where like, I literally we didn't recognize her until you said it. Team. I was like, I can't believe that's the same woman I didn't uh, recognize when I was watching uh, Death of Stalin. She's yep. really terrific. Yeah, she's really, really good. She is really really good, and I'm really glad that that happened. So, yeah, give us a synopsis. Process. Who wants to give it? Uh, Dan, give us. You watched it five times, which is uh, four <laughs> times more than Eric and I have done. So, uh, let's see. Okay, so it's going to be really quick. Uh, but the uh, it's uh, in Russia uh, in the uh, uh, I want to say fifties. Yes, I think it's mid fifties. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, and you are introduced Early to 50s. Stalin. Yeah, and uh, and Stalin and his immediate um band of uh associates and friends and uh this is uh michael palin from um uh, uh monty python steve buscemi um uh jeffrey tambor from uh transparent uh and i can't remember the other actor's name who um uh uh who's, yeah i'm looking it up over here hang on it's really really terrific uh uh simon beale simon russell beale uh is uh Beria. and uh, like he was uh, Stalin's kind of represented as a little bit of a moron, and nothing is. I mean, like in our in our context, we know Stalin to be like an incredible, horrific mass murderer. Um, but they don't really talk about that right up front. It's just he's the leader, and here's all the people around him, right? But you slowly come to hear through all the dialogue, like how many people are on lists to get killed all yeah. the time in this movie constantly constantly <laughs> like Go, just, being just shot here's a list right. kill all these people there's yeah. two, you know there's 25 people just kill all of them yeah it's hideous yeah. like barry is like uh he's he's as they're like leaving stalin's party barry is just like saying to his uh saying to one of the officers like okay uh kill this guy and kill this guy and make sure you kill this guy and his wife but kill her in front of him first before you kill him and it's all just sort of thrown away as like, yeah, whatever, you know, this is what we do every night in, in, uh, in, in Russia. In Russia. And it's, it's and, crazy. And it's U hard. No, USSR, well, more specifically. Yes, I'm sorry, USSR. And, uh, and, uh, uh, but it's all played in this very sort of breezy uh, tone that they are taking it in. Like, this is just another day in the life, right? Uh, but you get right. a hint of the sort of, uh, like, they're all very, all of them are terrified of Stalin. Like, when you see them apart from Stalin... Like, they're all worried about what Stalin thinks of them at any moment. And uh, because right. none of them want to end up on a list either, right? And in the first, like, first scene and a half, like, it's revealed that Michael Palin is on a list and he's going to be taken out soon. Uh, but all this is turned over when um, uh, uh, Olga Kirilenko, who is a, um, a pianist for uh, the... Uh, uh, Philharmonic or the National Orchestra uh, writes a letter to Stalin saying, "I hate you. You've ruined my family and ruined my family's life, and I just wanted to get this message to you." Stalin reads it and starts laughing at how he ruined her family, and in the middle of laughing, he has a stroke and collapses. Uh, right. And uh, over the course of the next half an hour, he slowly dies. Right. Now, he may not have died, except that nobody wants to take responsibility for what to do. Uh, so, for much of the movie, he's lingering in 
uh, this half and half state. And no one wants to get the doctors because if the doctors don't save him, then what's that going to look like? But or if the doctors do save him, is he going to kill them anyway? And so the guy's just lying there. Oh, oh wait, 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 wait. Hold on. More specifically. Yeah. So the, 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 the guards in, in front of his room say, <laughs> should we do anything? No, don't go no. in his room because <laughs> we're terrified. Yeah, exactly. All they heard is a giant thump of him falling on the floor. <laughs> right. And they're like, nope, nope, don't go in his room because it's fucking Stalin. Yeah, and I'm not going we, in that we, room wrong, because we're I, if up, I go in that dead. room, I will die. Right? <laughs> exactly. So, no, and don't go in the room. And so he's slowly dying in a room, and they're like, don't go in the room. Don't and go no one's going to help anybody. Right? No, 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 no. And so then Which, they're just like, do you blame okay, him? Yeah, of course exactly. not. Of course not. That, 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 that's that's the irony, right? And so, and and then finally, like the, you know, all the guys like go in the room and they're like, "Oh fuck!" He's like, you know, pissed himself, et cetera, et cetera. Right. It's horrible. We need a doctor. Right. No, we need a good doctor. We've killed no, all no, the no. Good doctors. All the good doctors <laughs> have been dead. sent to the gulag. <laughs> We don't have any. We don't have any good doctors anymore. The only doctors like, in Moscow are bad doctors because we all, all the, the doctors in Moscow are bad doctors because anyone that was good was sent to the gulag because they're going to contradict. If that so sounds anything like what we're going through right now in the United yes. States, yes, exactly, it's hilarious. Yeah, this this movie is is very much made with like it doesn't say it doesn't make any direct connections to say our current administration but oh my even, God. Even, even before uh the situation we're in now pandemic wise like this was definitely subtly aimed at criti criticizing uh our uh, uh, trump and his and his you know the all the idiots around him yeah. um but now when you see it especially as you're right to bring up chris like you watch this now in the situation we're in now and you're like oh my god it's this is exactly the kind of nightmare that we're in right now. Like you get this, right. like these unbelievable bunch of backstabbing morons who are running the show, and because, because of, of that, power, like, yeah, power is overwhelmed them. And yeah. if you, and and then logic and facts, yeah, Go right uh, does the not does not help their power situation. So they just yeah. send them to the fucking gulag. Yeah, exactly. And so like this, the it's the classic bit where you know like. They're Stalin. I mean, they're even disappointed that Stalin is not dead. Like they wish that he had just died. Um, yeah, because they but... have to deal with that. <laughs> no, they don't know what to do because he's he's and not, he's, he's, he's unconscious. Yes, and and you uh, have and so... these you have these prime ministers or these ministers like trying to group lift this guy. <laughs> it's so bad. just put him into a more dignified state, but he smells of piss. Yeah, and no one wants to. Yeah, like so, they're like no, no one, one has to deal, want to deal with the piss. <laughs> it's, it's so it's like oh, but like the logic will like with the doctors. The, my favorite line is when uh, they're like they're, like they wait until there's a quorum of everybody in the party before they act on even whether to get a doctor, right? And right. then they make arguments about whether or not to get the doctor, and they're like, all the all the good doctors are are dead, and there's only bad doctors, and so like, well, I make a motion that we get a doctor anyway. And he's like, no, they're bad doctors. We'll you know like we'll, we'll get in trouble, and like you but every, just everybody's Barry, afraid to make a decision. Well, and, Barry, and Barry goes, just the, listen, the, the, think of it this way: if we get a bad doctor, he'll probably die, and we're not going to get in trouble. And if he lives, then that guy's a good doctor. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, like, it's a it's a chess. 
It's a chess yeah. move too, because everything is about survival. Yes. And so it's so seeing the next move. If you make yeah. the first move, then you know somebody else is going to make another move and yeah. might get ahead. So and everyone is terrified and everyone gets of everyone blamed. else in this movie all the time. That's right. So you just that's what you know life under communism is like. So yeah. they yeah. basically start just throwing everybody. They're throwing everybody else off the bus, and they're pretty nonchalant about like a friend is on the list, you know. Yeah. They're like, oh, well, every, yeah. everyone is jockeying. Like, once Stalin uh, uh, dies, you know, like everyone is jockeying for position, uh, and not even to be the new leader. They just want to not be killed. You know, they want to right. be in the best position so that they're not killed it's, and, and it's are survival, a little bit right? of power. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, and so the the after Stalin finally does die. Uh, and way before there's a funeral, like the 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 competition between all these characters to group up and try and form uh, groups against the other characters uh, is so backstabby and ridiculous. You can't even believe that it's real. But in fact, it was exactly yeah. like this. Like this is all true. Um, but the genius of the movie is that because it plays it like you know this absolute slapstick farce, um, it keeps you from. Uh, uh, getting depressed about it, right? And yeah. uh, and so like it's comedy, comedy, comedy. Like the Stalin's kids, you know, uh, uh, the woman we mentioned earlier, and his and her brother are his part. Her brother is crazy, you know. All these cartoony characters come into play, uh, and it it turns into a, a basically a fight between um, this guy Baria and uh, and Steve Buscemi playing Khrushchev, and uh, who's going to get the upper hand um, by the end. And uh, and the movie maintains its ridiculous comic attitude right up until maybe the last fifteen minutes, when yeah. Yeah. when Steve Buscemi finally gets it over on Beria, and they're going to stage a coup. They've brought the military in, and they just haul this. I mean, this guy's a terrible person. He's gotten hundreds of people killed for sure, thousands of people killed. Um, but you see this poor old fat dude being dragged into a barn to get shot and suddenly the movie's not funny anymore like no they sh- well actually they, they, it like- wasn't so much about him getting shot i mean that was really great acting and yeah, it was a really great. great scene but the best part was just how they were reading the list to him and everyone's yeah. like yeah yeah and it was like this group just basically you know Stabbing well, a corpse. Yeah, it was really yeah, incredible yeah, scene. What was really interesting is that basically, you know, from the beginning part of that movie, Barrio was seen as a horrible person. Like he was actually in the torture chambers and like doing all the torturing himself, which is right. what the list they read, right? And right. so when you're looking at it, it's like, oh, he's a horrible person. But then after Stalin's dead, he's like, I'm going to redeem everything. I'm going to release everyone from prison. Like right. suddenly like, wait, what? Yep. Right. Wait, what? And yeah. then, and then like suddenly he's going to be our, the savior and he's killed because he did all these horrible, like, and it's so confusing. You are yeah. as, as a, as a, as a viewer, you are conflicted. Like yeah. is this person, you know, uh, the, the bad person that I want to root against or is he the person that I want to make survive? Yeah, and because you do very, develop some sort of sympathy for this guy as the movie goes on. And it's very confusing. You look at Buscemi. Yeah, you look at exactly. Buscemi, and you like like, uh, 
I guess he's never really done anything, but like you realize, like he might have been just as bad as everyone else. Yeah, you know, like yeah, it was. Yeah, and every and everyone in the movie is just as bad as everybody else in the movie. I mean, like just, yeah, absolutely. What's interesting like, though is like Buscemi's character really was the guy that, um, you know, his survival skills um, were the best uh, because he could work, you know, he worked with the military guys. He had a relationship with them. The guy, you know, <laughs> they did the coup. You didn't see yep. that with Barria. It, it's like there was this different way he was because he could, he basically worked all angles, like a big, uh, you know, big uh, agent type, you know, he just kind of yep. worked the room. And Barria tried to go with a family. Right. Well, no, yes, but you didn't see him work the room like Buscemi. Buscemi yeah, right. relationships... Buscemi's, a, Buscemi's essentially a realist, and he's but that's the survival to skills to, the to be in Russia. He he right. pretend, he maintained the survival skills. Yeah, and um, and that was his thing. And um, you know, Khrushchev was a you know, big deal. He almost he almost uh, slaughtered us with the bad pigs. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I mean, like, and, that, but that's the, like, you can see that the, like, the kind of, uh, I mean, essentially the kind of troubles that Russia still has is that it, this is the kind of mindset that gets promoted uh, until you end up with nothing but well, strong you, men and Yeah, if you violent. watch Chernobyl, it's the same yeah. thing. Yeah. That decision-making process is, you know. But it's, it's chilling, and Chris, you're right to bring it up, is like, I mean, that's the same kind of thing that, you know, like, you can see how it happened with, you know, Trump and his crew. Like you could like if these guys if uh, if this director made a movie about uh, you know uh, Trump's response to COVID nineteen you know it would be nearly the same kind of movie like <laughs> I can imagine these these bunch of clowns all jockeying to not be the one who is blamed just you know? just whatever I do I don't want to take the blame for this yeah so exactly. I'm gonna I'll fuck say you. anything I'll do anything whatever it is mm-hmm. and uh, and so you have with Beria in the movie like. He shows the slightest bit of uh, integrity towards the end, like only a little tiny bit, and it's so needed because nobody has any integrity at all in this film that he essentially becomes the tragic hero of the movie, simply because he is one moat less horrible than everybody else, even though they're all right. horrible, <laughs> you know. And it's a really, it's an incredibly. Uh, uh, deaf bit of work with the screenplay and these actors to um, to make me by the time that he is fucking hauled out and shot and set on fire and they're all just standing around laughing at the fact that they're burning this dude that you know like his body body's being burnt to a crisp like the the movie like just stops being funny one hundred percent and it leaves you with this horrible moment you know uh, after you know an, a two an hour and a half of slapstick comedy and then you look back on that hour and a half and you're like. Oh wait, none of this was funny. I was laughing the whole time. This is not a fucking trip. Yeah, I know. You leave the movie feeling guilty yeah. for watching it. Yeah, yeah. It's really, it's really a, a pretty. It's a, it's one of the most sort of. Uh, it's funny because I had just watched recently, uh, um, uh, both back to back, Failsafe and Doctor Strangelove. Right. Yeah. And uh, and those two movies are based on the same book, a uh, book called Red Alert. And um, you know they're making uh, Failsafe. Failsafe. Uh, got to market before uh, Clockwork, again, a Clockwork Orange, rather, uh, 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 Dr. Strangelove did. And so Kubrick pushed off um, his release of Dr. Strangelove. Uh, but it's interesting that 
uh, Failsafe is a really, really good movie. Uh, you know, it's got Henry Fonda, it's got a really earnest uh, it, performance. It, uh, uh, it's, Jones? it's a nuclear war movie. And it's very, played very, Jay very Jones? Um No, that's no, a strange that, one. That, that, Larry Hagman. Larry Hagman. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. From uh, J.R. Ewing is, uh, is, uh, is the, is the uh, Henry Fonda. So. Yeah, yeah I, I Dream of Genie. Uh, and, uh, and it's a really earnest, beautifully done movie by Sidney Lumet. And it's very serious. And, you know, you watch it, you're like, you know, this is when you're in it, it makes an impact. But it's weird that that's not the rem- the one that's remembered. Doctor Strangelove is the one that's remembered, and it's it's a better movie. But I think it's remembered because of the comedy, and uh, and Strangelove has main has been able to keep on being relevant and being funny for many 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 decades uh, because people aren't and like you don't like no one's like oh you know what I want to see failsafe because mm. I'm really in the mood to be horribly depressed. <laughs> you know, they'll say like, "Let's watch Doctor Strangelove because it's fucking hysterical, right?" And uh, to watch same that so idea, close to, right? Yeah, exactly. And so to watch this uh, so close to um, this movie, watch that so close to this movie, I was like, "This is the mo- most effective way, I believe, to make make a point because like this movie is a fucking riot the whole time, and then Hilarious. just at the end, it reminds it reminds you that it's serious enough that you rem- that you take something from it." I ne- um, you know what? Thank you, thank you, Daniel. Because I, I I didn't actually think about that. Like this film, like when I got to the end, it was like, oh, this isn't just some silly comedy about Stalin. Yeah, this is actually about real history about Stalin. Yeah, all of it happened. Yeah, very closely, much like you know the interpretation of Doctor Strangelove, like you said. And so when you finished watching it, I was like, it's hard. It's hard to, it's hard when you get to the end and you're like, this actually happened. Yeah. And I think and you remember that you're all right. these horrible things they were joking about and you're, and suddenly you're seeing it through a different lens. Right. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. It's a, it's a really, it really struck out as a, uh, as a, as one of the great movies that year uh, for me. And I was, I was so happy to see it on Netflix because I've been recommending it to people and, and uh, very few people I know have seen it. And I was I was psyched when it when it popped up, uh, and uh, like it's it's this kind of thing that like if you can just get people to watch like, you know, the five minute clip of like moving the body, like it's like a fucking Monty Python episode. <laughs> yeah, it <hysterical>. is. <laughs> it is. You know, and when you see like Michael Palin, you know, doing his uh, his, you know, his Michael Palin Monty Python thing. You know, and trying to like he gives a like he's giving a speech at the end when they're trying to vote on uh, whether or not to uh, move forward with this one whatever this amendment, and uh, they all have to be you know, everyone at the table, you know, because uh, it's the party. Everyone it has to be a unanimous decision, otherwise it's going to look bad, right? Uh, like he starts to make this argument, and people start to raise their hands, and then in the middle of the argument, he's like, "But of course, we could go the other way," and the hands go down. But of course, if we look at it again, the hands go up again. <laughs> like they're all just waiting for him to finish the speech, so they know which way to vote. <laughs> it's unbelievably funny, dude. Unbelievably funny. Unanimous. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Okay, we good. Because <laughs> like, like everyone's like hesitating where they need to put their hands. At and the... that's been passed. Unanimous. <laughs> Unanimously, yes, thank you. Unanimously, yes, there we go. 
Yes, and, exactly. and this movie has like possibly twenty of my favorite one-liners, like just jam-packed uh, into this picture. Like the writing is so so good. Writing like, really so well. many like snappy lines. And all this writing stuff. is really good. Acting is fantastic. I loved there were okay. So just uh, like like you mentioned before, like the the the, the writer director uh is uh actually did a lot of work on veep right yes and yeah. and this this feels like an episode of veep about stalin right. yes like yeah, there is absolutely. a lot of similarities like yeah. if you're going to take veep which is an excellent excellent show political show, show and you're going to make it about stalin instead of a fictional american vice president <laughs> right and, and and you do that then this show is like, uh, mm, it's very, very good. Very yeah, good politically, very good dialogue. I also really, really appreciate that I mentioned it before, the fact that no one tried to put on a Russian accent because it would have yeah, ruined yeah. it. So uh, I just, want to ask a, a different part of the conversation. I wanted to ask you about that very thing, what you guys think about that. Because like, movies handle that in different ways. And do you prefer when things are like, like this, or do you like uh, to have like a it, it, across the board? Well, it worked. Let's go ahead, Eric. Go ahead, Eric. No, no, no. Uh, you go. It's fine. I, yeah. It, to me, it was like it was about the it was about the fact that it was that was comedy. That was part of the comedy, right? Like hearing Stalin talk with a Cockney accent was a comedy piece. It's hysterical. Yeah. And, it, and it worked and you bought into it and that was part of the humor of the whole system. Mm -hmm. But what was happening while you're being entertained by this, because everyone spoke, they all spoke English. Every one of them spoke English with a different accent, being yeah. a Northeastern accent from the United States, slightly Southern accent or uh, Irish or Cockney or whatever. They all spoke English, but they all spoke English in a slightly different native accent. And right. then suddenly, like, no one's trying to fake a Russian accent, right? right. Doesn't make any sense. Uh, Which you can sort of, like, so that is entertaining like until you get to the end. That's what makes the end so interesting is because it got, it got real at the end. Yeah. You're like, right. oh, oh. Yeah. You are being yeah, entertained by all of this, you know, the, the this theatrical thing. Yeah, and then suddenly at the end, you're yeah. like, oh, no. By the way, you just got learned some history yeah, and exactly. uh, deal with that. Because yeah. yeah. what you just watched actually happened. And then you start to realize what you just watched actually happened. Yeah. And you go, mm, now this this is not as funny as it was. And that's good. Well, yeah, I because, mean, I, I because like, I mean, like Stalin himself is one of the, you know, great monsters of history you know he's i'm gonna get into that i'm people, gonna get right? to the, the 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 monsterism of stalin in a second but yeah but it's like it's but, it's it's interesting that like this movie is like taking this kind of subject matter in a very jokey way is very akin to uh, what jojo rabbit did for instance yeah you know and uh and i think it's it's interesting that like that uh that people like uh, some people were really offended by how uh, Jojo Rabbit worked. I wasn't. I liked that movie quite a bit. Um, but uh, I love Jojo no, Rabbit. Yeah, it's a very, very good. Movie. Um, but uh, 
But with this, I was, uh, I was like, people, I just, people, I guess people don't really have a grasp of who Stalin was, you know, and they didn't have enough of a frame of reference to, um, sort of, have, like, feel either way about it. Like, it was just like a weird, jokey-looking movie. Um, but I think that, like, watching the movie, you'll definitely come out, like, I, th I think, feeling pretty appropriately about that, you know, the, the, that entire sort of nightmare period of history. And, uh, and these, and the, all these, all these all murderous jerks <laughs> that were, uh, running that poor country into the ground. And, uh, and, and I think that it, like, we were talking, when we were talking about, uh, we didn't do a, an episode specifically on Jojo Rabbit, but the idea of, um, I think it's, I think it's a really powerful and good thing to take things that are extremely light, I would rather things that are extremely heavy and play them darkly. Dark. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because like that you really it really carries with you because like like Doctor Strangelove was really offensive to people when it came out. Like but fuck oh, do you remember that movie? And it becomes a touchstone for how to talk about difficult things because it's so fun. Yep. And so I thought it was a really sort of it was an interesting and responsible movie. And like you said, like it doesn't it isn't just talking about Russia, it's talking about this kind of ludicrousness in our in our own uh country and and it applies to anywhere. You can imagine this movie being made about any government. It's, it's really incredible. It'll work. But yeah, the... Uh, I agree. The, 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 the thing that I want to... Like, I was watching the other day uh, Gorky Park with William yeah. Hurt. Oh, I love Gorky Park. <laughs> it's a cool movie. I like this movie. You've know, seen like, that movie many times. I don't know why I've seen that movie. I've seen that movie like ten times. I like, really that is that. a weird movie to have That's seen the, over and over again. The, my That's producing it. partner produced that. No, really? really? Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, it's a good Gee. movie. I like this movie. Yeah. And, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And yeah. it's a... It, it's a uh, this for And people might not even remember this movie. This is uh, like mid-80s, maybe 80, yeah. 88, 86, somewhere in there. Um, Great uh, William film. Hurt, uh, Lee Marvin. Uh, Lee, Lee Marvin. Is it Lee Marvin? Yeah. I can't remember. Yeah, um, Lee yeah. Marvin. And uh, it, uh, William Hurt is a... Angie uh, Dickinson? No. Who is it? Not, no, it's... Um, shoot, I can't remember. But yeah, uh, is it based on a Jean Le Carré book? Yes. No, close. Yeah. It's actually based on a great Martin Cruz Smith novel. Okay. Uh, Martin Cruz. Uh, yes. That was a big. That was a very big close book, though. though, in the late seventies or something. Yeah. It was like a big. Um, it, it was. It, it was. It was a great Cold War film, though. Oh, it's awesome! Yeah, it's super fun. Yeah. I love like the setup to that. Actually, almost has a comic edge to it because uh, William Hurt's character, like. He's the one who gets the call on these three dead bodies by the in, right. in Gorky Park, right? Um, and then doesn't and, he have the the head in the freezer or things? And, yeah, yeah. There's the uh, re rebuilding the head to see what the head looks yeah, like yeah. and all this stuff. But what's re he has one of my favorite motivations in any mystery movie ever is that he catches the case, uh, but his motivation is instead of solving it, he just wants to prove uh, that it might be better if the KGB handled this. <laughs> right. <laughs> he's like, this looks like a KGB. Uh, like he's thinking, this looks like the KGB killed someone, and I don't want to get killed because it's the fuck, it's the KGB who did it. So I need to try to go after this just enough so I can say I think it would be better if the KGB looked into this, sir. And he wants to hand the case off, but like, so that he doesn't actually blame the KGB. Yes, exactly. And it's a, and it's a brilliant uh, it's a brilliant setup and like an almost funny setup. 
Um, right. But uh, uh, I love the and I love these kinds of movies. Like in the eighties and the early nineties, they made a lot of movies like this. They sort of like um, hopscotch. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly, you know, and it's like movies like uh, the package with Gene Hackman and uh, yeah. and uh, and you know, but, but like the the fugitive was another one of these movies where it's just like you watch this thing a million times. Like there's something really like straightforward and satisfying about this movie. Um, but it was really interesting. This comes back to the uh, the uh, 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 accent deal. It's like uh, uh, everyone in the movie, you know, it's a mostly non-Russian cast for Forky Park. Uh, it, everyone right. in the movie ag- agrees. And, like most of the actors are British, and so they're doing British accents. And so William Hurt's like, "I'm going to master a British uh, accent, so I fit in with the rest of the British accents, and that's what's going to stand in for the Russian accent. And instead of us all doing bad Russian accents, we'll all speak with a, uh, a British uh, tone, and that's what's going to make it work. And that's then, I... uh, like all that yeah. works fine, and then." The the woman they cast as his girlfriend is actually Russian, and she speaks with a Russian accent. And I'm like, oh, what the fuck now? <laughs> like, right. like now it just sounds like everyone's speaking with a British accent. I was fine with it up until she shows up. But that movie is totally awesome. I was it was a, I, I found that on um uh, I think on on Stars I think oh, Stars or HBO has that. I was uh, a Park. Sp- Gorky Park. I was desperately scrubbing through for things to watch because we've run out of uh, shows to watch and movies to watch uh, as we're all locked up and locked in. And so I've uh, I've been digging deep for uh, for new Rex. I've watched. I don't know I, why. I kinda... I, I've seen Gorky Park a lot for some reason. I don't know why. It's not. It's not one of my favorite movies. Right. But it's weird. It's cool. Yeah, it's just a cool movie. It is it cool. Me. Yeah. It's a weird murder mystery film. Yeah. It's like what's the what's the Clint Eastwood film that's about uh uh like uh he's a detective in New Orleans about uh strangling people? Oh, um um what is that? Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil? Yes. No, he no. That was him, wasn't I, it? I, I, that was no, him. I don't think no, that's the same story. Yeah, though. no, that, that's not the what. No, definitely not what I'm looking at. It was. It was. Uh, he he played a cop in New Orleans, and it's about strangling people. And oh, then he oh got yeah, into I know the one. Yeah, it's it's older. What's the name? Yeah, it's in the seventies. For like, sure. Uh, play play Misty for me, maybe. No, no. Yeah, that's seventy one. That's like, his first movie as a director. That's yeah. That's the radio one. That's the radio one. Hang on, I'm gonna oh. look this up. I'm, I'm embarrassed that I don't up. know my Clint history. One of you so. guys look it up. Okay, I'm talking about it right uh, now. I think the thing about what I was, uh, for me, the accents were, uh, you know, it did remind me of Richard III because Richard III production with Ian McKellen in the late 90s, uh, I loved that production because it took yeah. place in the 30s. They were Nazis. But yeah. yet that, that um, basically that, uh, Shakespearean work fit right in and they didn't have to adapt to that time because it was a it was a universal kind of uh, story and moral lesson and I mm-hmm. felt like with this it was like there's no pretend this is almost like a moral lesson like uh, right. and the confidence they had in the script must have been like right. we don't need to have accents to make us because it it becomes so much more 
uh, the dialogue and this moral story. Um, and that's why it felt like some really great Broadway show, and not musical, but like Broadway theater, I mean, theater show, um, whereas there's, it was, uh, you know, a Chekhov or, you know, it was really that. It was beautiful. And you didn't, having accents, it can apply anywhere. And in fact, by using sure. using the act, no accents, but making it English, it can happen in England and it can happen in America. And we have it, right? Like you guys yeah, are talking about. So it makes it more like relatable in a sense. Like yeah, more yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly right. It's it's and it's a universal morality tale. And then right. at the end, it's the beautiful ashes in the sky. And it's like yeah, this is this is the lesson. Yeah. And then it ends. Absolutely. I thought it was an interesting political thing. And I actually thought, like, you know, when you really thought about it, like, they're all speaking English, like they're, but they're not because they're all supposed to be speaking Russian, right? right. And so it's the Soviet Union, and they're all talking about, like, Georgians and Armenians and. You know, yeah, right. uh, Ukrainians or whatever. Yeah, Ukrainian I'm sure they all have their own version of a Russian accent, and it right. all sounds exactly. bizarre right. and different to them. So, yeah. to us, the difference between an American accent and an English accent is just as different. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, whatever totally makes sense. Yeah. Doesn't matter. That's right. not part of the story. Right. Don't get distracted by the accents. Right. It's about the characters, and the right. characters were different, and they were all different with each other. It was right. actually quite brilliant if you really think about it in that way. It's like, doesn't matter. I'm not going to be sitting here trying to, you know, pull an Indiana Jones like, please give me your papers, you know, like <laughs> we have it's many terrible. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Not to mention it would it would get in the way of the comedy. Like what? Like don't don't choke up these actors who are all great comedians by uh, like having them carry the you know a Russian accent the, on top the, of that. Yeah, it was yeah. it was great. Thing. Yeah, for, for sure. And this it was is like great. This, this is like one of my favorite things about. Uh, uh, and I remember people making fun of it when it came out. But one of my favorite things about the Last Temptation of Christ, uh, Scorsese's movie, Willem Dafoe, is that like there everyone in that is there, there's no like. Um, you know, they're not using any accents. They're not using a British accent. They're not using. They're just talking like it, who they are, and so you get like you know, uh, Defoe sounds like Defoe, and you know, Barbara Hershey sounds like Barbara Hershey. But then you get like one of my favorite bits is you get um, uh, Harvey Keitel comes in as Judas, and he's yeah. just like he, <laughs> he's just like Jesus. What do you think you're doing over here? <laughs> I'm like, this is perfect. <laughs> like, right. This this makes me feel like these are really friends, you know. Like, like, and, and instead of like being some weirdly uh, elevated, you know, sort of. Uh, and now we present to you the story of the Christ. You know, it's so earthy and so real, uh, uh, and you really buy into what these guys are doing. It breaks, well, that's it, the it thing, right? The, the the corny story. I mean, then then it then it, then what's interesting is then it becomes about casting. Yeah, because right. then you cast Stalin, and Stalin is the most uneloquent person in the room. <laughs> yes. Right? Just don't tell him that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Just don't tell him that because he'll put you on the fucking list. Yeah. But he's clearly the person that sounds like he came from the fucking ghetto. Like, like yeah. he is. He can't a, pronounce yeah. 
two words together. His successor can pronounce three words together, and that's about the only thing that makes him better than Stalin. The best thing Stalin. is the cowboy movies. They had a sick right. yeah, the oh best. my god, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's he's just a belligerent jerk, you know, that have, happens to be in power. And he's just like, I love Westerns, so everyone's going to stay up and watch Westerns with me. And nobody wants to. That's so Michael Jackson at Neverland. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh, my God. <laughs> he was he's really the first Michael removed Jackson. from the reality of, uh, of his country. And, uh, you know, he, like he's living in this fantasy land. It would have been great if there was a, a monkey named Bubbles. Fears. just working on <laughs> Seriously. I think Jeffrey well, Tambor was the bubbles of this movie. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, 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 so you're sitting here and you're like, so Stalin loved Westerns. Yeah. Weird, right? <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, um, interesting film. Um, yeah. No, really. I'm glad, that, I'm glad that was recommended. That was, that was a real treat to revisit that one. Yeah. Uh, who who would uh, pass this on to us? <clears throat> My um, a friend of mine, Charles. Um, I'm working on uh, with a bunch of stuff, and he's like, "Oh, I love this film," and he told me about it, and I was like, "Oh, that sounds amazing." Um, so uh, Stalin is interesting because um, a little family history, mm-hmm. um. My uh, my mother is Hungarian ast- uh, aristocrat. So mm-hmm. uh, during the after the Second World War uh, and everything else that happened, and then obviously the um, the Russians moved into Hungary and uh, took over that situation. And because she was a blue blooded aristocrat. Uh, uh, was not dealt with very well. So uh, her family, along with anyone else that was anyone in the aristocracy, was mm-hmm. um, uh, sent to deportation. So right. she was deported. Uh, and so uh, her and her family were uh, uh, living in, in squalor in 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 rural uh, Hungary to make sure that they understood that situation. Oh, I don't know. Whatever, whatever Stalin's point of view was, right. that was what it was. Uh, so they went from being, uh, you know, wealthy people in Hungary to being uh, uh, ostracized for their wealth. Uh, now, uh, dealt with that for many years. Uh, my mother constantly uses this uh, famous quote, Stalin's birthday was December 21st, which is the darkest day in history mm. every year because it is the uh, winter uh, <laughs> uh, solstice. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so that's his, and then he died on March 5th, which is her birthday. Uh, so, uh, so that is, uh, where, when he died. So he, uh, was born on the darkest day and died on her birthday. (laughs) And, uh, to her, that is the, the thing that is the most important thing. So, uh, so Stalin is a Stalin as a, as, as someone, when I grew up, like, 
he was presented to me as the boogeyman and the horrible person that ever lived, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's a terrible, terrible person. Yeah, he's and a, that's correct. He's at, least, he's at least number two in my book. <laughs> yeah, he's a horrible, horrible person. Yeah. And so to her also, the well, and to a lot of people that, that, that dealt with Hungary in that time or people that escaped Hungary in that time, the, the communism was bad because communism was about like, you don't agree with us? Fuck you, you're dead, mm-hmm. right? Like literally the lists were real. The lists yeah. were real, right? Sure. And and that those happened, and they happened a lot, and and it was a bad deal. So, for her, it was a it was a pretty bad deal. So, uh, uh, coming to the United States was uh, when she escaped in '56 during the revolution in Hungary. Uh, it was a big deal for her to to right. to, to deal with that. So, um, watching this film, I was entertained, but I'm also like. You're very oh aware. shit! I'm watching a film about Stalin. Yeah, and for sure. and I thought it was a comedy, and it wasn't until the end that I realized, like, oh no, it's nah. Yeah, it's like I'm giving you a historic reenactment delivered to you as a comedy, right? Just so you can ob- watch it the whole way through. Right. It's like I'm almost, I almost felt tricked. Yeah, it is a trick. I think you're right. Like, that's like, because no one's going to go, I mean, like, in, you know, it wasn't a hugely popular movie anyway, but like, you put out a movie about how depressing it was to live under Stalin, like, that's not going to be a big hit. <laughs> right. Like, that's not a movie that I'm leaping to go to see, because I know that it's going to be, a, you know. And if you watch a trailer, you're like, this is going to be hilarious. Like, it's going to be funny. Right. <laughs> you're right. But it's you're going to learn something through this process. Yeah, for sure. And it's so nice to see, like, Steve Buscemi really get to flex his comedy chops because like he's so good in this thing and he's so he's like so good yeah he's, like this is one of my favorite Buscemi roles like outside of Fargo like it's it's a real champion bit of work and what's really great is that he's like he has all these sort of like big pronouncements that he has to make um right and uh and the language is really awkward because these are like famous phrases that got said or something like whatever you know Khrushchev said and so he just goes for it like it's something that you try to say naturally. And it comes off right. extremely funny. <laughs> yes. You know, and it's a, and like he really finds a great angle on how to play this guy. So it's like it doesn't come off as pompous. It comes off as like he is trying to like he is just a, a weasley jerk that, that is trying to sound like he's a part of an important history. Uh, but what's and, go ahead. But what's also interesting is they really, really played off the idea of communism. Mm-hmm. Because, like, Khrushchev yeah. and those guys Survivor. were all living in, like, Flat. mediocre apartments. Yeah, yeah. It's hysterical. <laughs> right? This is crazy. And that's the case in <laughs> communism, right? Yeah. Right. Like, no, everyone kind of lives the same. And like, if you're Khrushchev or you're like whatever, like we're all kind of like, yeah, like Molotov's oh, apartment is like a shitty apartment. It's like a, it's, it's like a, a shitty apartment. apartment. <laughs> like Khrushchev lives in a shitty apartment. Stalin lives in a better apartment. Yes, exactly. A slightly fancier one. Yeah, it's just a disaster. Like everything is. Like he shows bad. up at like you know Khrushchev in like at Stalin's like you know deathbed, still wearing his pajamas underneath. It's so funny. <laughs> 
Are you wearing your pajamas? So, so good. <laughs> the best was when yeah, you have to remember what you said the night before, so you tell your wife. Oh, oh my God! Recites everything that they did to make sure that he knows yes. what jokes work and yeah. what jokes didn't work. The, explain That's that. So explain that gag, Eric, because that was hilarious. Basically, every time they went over to his house, because they're the old Stalin's friends' house, right? Stalin's house from the war and the revolution. And they're old buddies getting together. It's like football night, and right. they just yeah. they just want to make sure they don't offend him. So they come home drunk and they'll tell their wives what they said. That way, they know what stuck or what didn't stick in terms of. Material, because everything is about survival and fear. Right. <laughs> yeah. So did I say a good joke or did I say a bad joke, right? Yeah. And I and love the bit it, when um, his wife's like, don't yell at me for your drunken ramblings. I copied down what you said exactly. <laughs> and, then, and, like, and she's reading off and says like, uh, Molotov, K-L-K-L-N-L-K. And he goes, what the hell does that mean? Oh, well, wait, wait. No, Molotov. <laughs> And he draws his thumb across his neck. <laughs> yeah. Well, kill him. Yeah, kill him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, it's amazing. Sad. Dude. It's amazing. Like the, oh. and, and what I love is the like the brilliant opening of that movie, opening and closing of the movie, um, has um, uh, uh, it starts with the, uh, the the pianist, the woman who's a pianist, and the entire thing is that they're uh, recording. You know, they're they're giving a performance. To a packed house, uh, the orchestra is, and um, and halfway through, uh, Stalin decides that he wants to have heard this, but they haven't been recording it, right? So they have to try to pull everyone like half the uh, after the uh, after uh, the performance, like half the crowd's already left, so they're just sweeping in everyone they can to fill the auditorium again, to play it as if they were playing it for the first time and recording it, so Stalin doesn't know that. He's basically not getting the real performance, right? And uh, and all of that is being run by uh, Patty Constantine, who is from the other movie that we watched about the guy coming back to England um, uh, to avenge his brother, and his brother is sort of a, a ghost in his mind. Uh, oh shit! Yeah, that guy, Wait, what? That that's the guy. Remember? <laughs> like, like uh, I was, uh, uh, I was like, oh yeah, this dude. I love him. Yeah, he's he's so. Uh, uh, he's he's a real good. chameleon. Yeah. Like, I was like halfway through the movie before I recognized who he was. Yeah, I didn't even recognize that. Yeah, yeah, really. Oh, really cool. uh, that's the one uh, uh, Neil Huxley recommended to us. That's yes. right. Shit, Dead Man Shoes. Dead, Dead Man, Man Shoes. Shoes. Dead Man Shoes. So the, you Dead see the star of Dead Man Shoes in this movie. Uh, he's uh, has this sort of the opening and closing gags, uh, and he's terrific. Uh, but the like the sort of like <laughs> the moment when they're taking these people off the street uh, and playing this concert for them. It's one of the, my favorite moments just because the concert's really beautiful, right? And the, and, uh, uh, Oh, it's very aristocracy. Yeah. And like, and yeah, which uh, is ironic and, because it's communism, right? Right. Well, the thing is like, and, and Patty Constantine says like, uh, like half these people that they've just brought in, like don't even know what this music is. You know, like this has been like, even though it's this is supposed to be communism and everyone gets to take part, like they don't get to take part. Like this is only played for the essential highest class, uh, which and, is not supposed to exist, which is not supposed to exist. And I thought it was right. it's like it's such a brilliant, subtle commentary or it's just like, oh, yeah, you know, like the or the or the poor people, like one of the one of the harshest bits of the movie is that on the uh, 
they're staging the coup on the day of Stalin's burial, right? And uh, they put uh, Steve Buscemi in charge of getting the the funeral together, and like they're trying, like uh, uh, whether or not to let the trains run again to let people in uh, from the uh, farther provinces and all this stuff. And uh, and uh, Buscemi gets the trains running, people start showing up, and there's so many people that the security department starts gunning them down to prevent a riot. Yeah. And, like, in the background of the movie, something like 1,500 people get killed. Yeah. And the movie is is still a comedy at that point. Like, that's how skilled this movie is. Like, yeah. like this, 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 this absolute massacre is being kept in the background of the film while they're playing the jokes in the foreground. Uh, and they, and yeah. they keep you from thinking about the impact of it. It's a, it's an unbelievably, uh, brilliant bit of direction. Absolutely. Because it's just amazing how many people they just knocked off all the time. Oh yeah. yeah. Constantly. Just, yeah. So many people get murdered in this movie. A lot. Yeah. A lot. The randomness. And then like they shoot all these guys in a row and all of a sudden they said, stop, stop. They want us to stop killing people. And then the next guy in line's like, Ooh, <laughs> well, I love, like he says, stop, stop. The dude finishes shooting the guy and then yeah. stops. <laughs> yeah. But the guy next to him is like, Woo. Yeah, that was close. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. I'm eating my Crazy sushi stuff. now as we advertised earlier. All right. I'll be right back. I got to use the, uh, use the restroom. Yeah. No sweat. Eric, what have back. you been doing with your time? Your closed-in time? Oh, I've just been working on you know the stuff that my show and doing that stuff and trying to uh, you know move ahead and uh, you know make some some inroads with some people and we'll see what happens. You know? That's awesome. How's the, then, uh, how's the uh, how's the family doing? What is the what is the I'm main okay. distraction the family has been? Is a movie watching family or is a TV watching family? We watch shows together or, or TV, and we have the Criterion channel now, so we've been watching a lot of Criterion oh, nice. stuff. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's cooking along. I mean, it gets a little tense, you know, because everyone's locked up in here, but it's fine. Yeah, it's a little stressful. Could be worse, you know. But, uh, you know, how's your family? Everyone's, everyone's good. Everyone's good. And uh, I think like, we have a lot of uh, big video game fans in the house, so uh, staying inside is... Uh, it's a, uh, it's it's not a big change. <laughs> we are, we are all um, mushroom people that like to uh, hang out and play um, Witcher Three. I'm playing Witcher Three. Um, How and, is that? Oh, it's super fun. You like run around with a sword and killing things. It's pretty great. But I, I played that. I, I I replayed a bunch of um, uh, my favorite game in a long time called uh, Disco Elysium, uh, which I'm a giant fan of. Uh, which I think you might like the art direction of quite a bit. It's a really beautiful. Really? Um, yeah, it's a, it's a, it doesn't look like a regular video. It's not like a run around shoot 'em up game. It's like a, um, it's almost like this beautifully art directed, enormous painting that you can walk around in. Oh, uh, really? incredible bit of work. Um, it feels like a, uh, the setting is almost like an early Derek Jarman film. Yeah. Uh, all right, you, know, you got me going. You know, like it's, yeah. it's like if you made a video game. Uh, the setting is like almost if you made a video game out of uh, Jubilee or something yeah. like that. And it's really, really, yeah, it's cool. really strange. Very, What's very. It it's like yeah, Jubilee and um, and Solaris. Yeah, it's called um, uh, Disco Elysium. It's uh, richly written. Uh, probably the best video game writing I've ever seen. 
and uh, it's it feels like you're reading a novel, a really brilliant novel. Um, and it has uh, and like there's no act you don't you don't like there's no action or action gameplay. It's just uh, it's just basically going and talking to people and doing this. Uh, oh, that's cool. I like murder. that. Yeah, it's really really great. Really something. Chris, have you ever heard of Disco Elysium? The game? Yes. Um, I have. I have not played it. Is it? It's an interesting. Is it contrast something to this I should movie. play? Because this movie is, I, I, it is probably it's it's on the list of my favorite games of all time. I would definitely say that. The uh, writing okay. is brilliant. The art direction is brilliant, and um, uh, and the story is incredible. And it's a very funny, sad uh, game, but it's an interesting counterpoint to this movie because this game is made by like super Marxists. Like, and they thanked Karl Marx at the Video Game Awards <laughs> when they won. <laughs> really? And so it's a, it's a strangely political game um, that doesn't, uh, like, that is, that is pretty pro-communist. Uh, but it's also a very, very funny, incredibly creative game. And so it falls more on the side of, like, because um, I'm actually a huge fan of uh, 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 Russian art and uh, Russian films and Russian... Um, uh, uh, literature, and right. uh, I think what's interesting is that some like some of my favorite uh, films, books, etc., are actually made by uh, pro uh, like pro communist filmmakers and pro um, um, pro Russian filmmakers for certain. But like, there is a wonderful adaptation of uh, War and Peace that was state funded, made in the '60s. Um, that's seven hours long, and it's one of my favorite movies. Uh, and it's obviously a giant celebration of um, of uh, Russia at that period. Um, there's um, uh, there's uh, uh, Andrei Tarkovsky, which I yeah. wouldn't say he's not pro uh, communism or pro uh, Tarkovsky pro stuff. Like, uh, his, uh, but he managed to make movies via the state that are uh, some of the greatest art that's ever been made. Yeah, uh, Solaris and um, uh, and. Uh, 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 Stalker and a bunch of other stuff you can look up. A lot of his stuff is on uh, Criterion Channel as well. Uh, but uh, Disco Elysium fits into that paradigm, where it's That's like cool. whatever it is about the stresses of living in that particular situation tends to generate some very thoughtful, uh, crazy artwork that's very passionate. And so even though I may disagree with communism itself, the the, the people that are living under it tend to make a lot of great art. And... Uh, and this is one of them. So, like, if you don't mind playing uh, a game by a uh, a, um, a pro-communist group, it's one of my favorite games of all time. It's interesting because specifically because of my history with my mother, right, and her mm -hmm. aristocracy and her Hungarian background and everything else, communism was, like, the boogeyman. And it was, right? Like, right. she escaped Hungary in 1956, went to the United States at the height of the Cold War, right? So, like, she was saved. She was saved by capitalism, right? Yeah, sure. And so, yeah. and her family was as well. And, and so, so that is a big, a big deal. And, and what's interesting is that now, if you look back through what she went through, she, 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 I would, I would, she, She's definitely, in terms of the the U.S. Guys, perspective, is definitely. Do you mind? A, I just pardon me, Chris. I'm just going to quickly grab something. Is that okay? Of course. Go ahead. Go Give me one second, guys. Um, 
So, uh, and she was one of the people that basically like was, uh, pro, you know, not, not pro communism, but she, she's now definitely right wing yeah, or left right. wing. Sorry. Right, right. 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 In terms of the American perspective. Sure. And it's sure. funny. It was like, she's like, no, I hate the communists. It's like, but do you realize there are things that you are arguing for that are communism <laughs> yeah. in some like, way? Right. Well, I mean, the thing is, I mean, like I'm, I'm, an, I'm a, a pretty radical leftist in many of my feelings and beliefs. But American um, leftism is like. It's different. It's and, pretty uh, much right wing anywhere else. Yeah. <laughs> like. Um, my, my feeling, I mean, as much as anyone who listens to a film podcast cares about my feelings about communism, like communism, my big problem with it is that it may be well, it's well-intentioned, but it doesn't work seemingly. At no, all. it doesn't. And, yeah. uh, it ends up being, uh, a seed for, uh, hyper-capitalism and oligarchical domination. And, uh, uh, because like the, you know, like the, the people at the top of the, up the food chain, whether or not you say, oh, everyone's equal or not. The people at the top end up running the show anyway. Only now there's even less ways to control them. Uh, and right. uh, it can get quite cruel and ridiculous. And like, and in the best, in the best sense, you know, you take a country like, um, you know, like, you know, comparatively harmless country like Cuba. Like Cuba is a beautiful place. You know, some wonderful people come from Cuba. But like they're unable, they were unable to trade with anybody because the rest of the world is capitalist, and so uh, they get shut out. And so, like right. even in the best of circumstances, you can't, um, you can't function internationally and uh, and have it work out for your people. Um, so, like my my argument against communism isn't that like the intentions are bad. I think that the uh, the the intentions are generally good. Like you don't want people to suffer under tyranny and you want everyone to have an equal share and everything um but the best way to arrive at that seems to me to still be regular good old democracy uh like capitalist democracy tends to lean that way and uh, trying to trying to be communist leads to things like the way china and russia work which, which don't work very well right at least for many people that live in them <laughs> That's right. I love you. Say hello. But to anybody else who's listening, I don't. I'm not a political. You know, I have I have no real knowledge of any of this stuff. So if I'm just talking about my butt, please forgive me. I'm. I'll, I'll get back to talking about movies. But that's my that's my background going into this movie. Say say hi. Uh, okay. Olivia is here and she's wearing a chaos <laughs> shirt. She's wearing a chaos yes. shirt. Say hello. Hey. <laughs> and Shashu's here too. Shashu. Yeah, Shashu. Nice. We'll talk later. Yeah. Thank you, Boo. I love you. So, I'm sorry. I I didn't have a drink, and everyone had drinks. Yeah. <laughs> I have um, coffee and a Star Trek mug. That's what I'm rocking. I on. have uh, doers that was delivered to me uh, by someone today in a mask. Oh, man. Yeah. But doesn't the doers automatically kill the COVIDs? Well, so the thing is, like, every now and then, like, you know, you run out of alcohol at the house and you need to mm -hmm. go to the liquor store. That's normal. But then now you, like, 
you really, really, really want to restrict how many times you go to the grocery store or whatever. Mm-hmm. So you don't just like, oh, I got to go to the store and pick up a six pack of beer or whatever. So right. now you have to deal with these other things. And there's actually been some really great systems that are available in Los Angeles that are delivering alcohol to you. Mm-hmm. And they're just – they're about the same price as going to a liquor store, if not sometimes a little bit better. And they'll oh, get to your house in 30 minutes or less. Oh, man. Wow. And if you've so, been drinking, that makes sense. Right. So <laughs> I got you know a bottle of Dewar's for $10 delivered to my house. Wow, that's pretty good. Twenty dollars, twenty dollars, twenty dollars. Dude, not bad. That's a good deal. Doers twenty bucks. Now, here's the thing. Interesting because we're you know Martini Giant. We talk about our alcohol. I know that uh, Dan, you're not drinking, and Eric, you don't drink that much. Uh, So I'm pretty much the only one who still uh, um, has more heavier alcohol in my diet. Uh, But I will say that. I still enjoy the Trader Joe's brand blended scotch. Oh, yeah. It's pretty freaking good. Oh, dude, when I was drinking, that was like one of my all-time favorites. Yeah. It was like 10 bucks. It is $9.99 for one liter. It's not even a, you know, know, 7.50 uh, 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 that is a normal bottle. It's actually a full liter of, of scotch mm-hmm. for $10 and mm-hmm. it is darn good. It is better than most blended scotches out there. I'd say I, I would wage that is up there with a famous grouse. Like it is a pretty darn good scotch. Yeah, no, I, so, I, so I that, that is my That's... daily driver in terms of my, my whiskeys that I enjoy every day. You that have was a real whiskey. favorite of mine, for sure. What time do you start drinking whiskey? You moved it up. It's like 10 a.m. now. Nah, nah. <laughs> uh, it's, you know, 5.36. Yeah. When do, you, when, do you start, when do you start drinking, Eric? It's the red wine. Yeah, red wine. Right around 8. Around 8? Okay. Yeah. Oh, nice. So... I still like it's talking booze, a... even though I'm not drinking it. You're not drinking booze, so that's that's different. But I like but, talking uh... about it. I love. I, I reminisce. I reminisce. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd say. I mean, my family used to. You know, we five o'clock. It's like, let's go. Mm-hmm. Cocktails are on the table. Let's go. Like the glasses are out. The ice is out. Yeah. Like five o'clock. Right. Mm-hmm. That's how it. That's how it goes. So. Yeah. But I could throw back a bottle of red at night. Yeah. I love it. So a bottle a bottle of wine is six pours, technically. Hmm. So, yeah. So six drinks it, over a course of a whole night. Yeah. It's, if you think yeah, about it, an, a, a, a one drink an hour, six six hours. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, uh, I mean, these, are, these are COVID rules anyway, man. Like, I think that people are... I, I I mean I'm not loose. trying to make excuses for anyone like <laughs> like everything's out the fucking table right now in terms right. of how much you're drinking. True. Uh, I'm actually trying to regulate my drinking a little bit more because like like we, when you don't have any responsibility to drive or don't have to do anything else like 
You're like, fuck it. It's five o'clock. You start drinking and then you're like drunk as a skunk by like right. 10 o'clock. It's ridiculous. <laughs> you know what I mean? It doesn't make any sense. So you right. gotta have to make sense of your life. And then also I have a family, right? So I, I don't want to be drunk in front of my family. So I'll, I will have, you know, I will, I will, I'll basically I'm like, you know, I have two or three drinks a night. Right. If, and then and over, over a long period of time and trying mm -hmm. to make it work. It's, it's just like anything else. And you just yeah, gotta be responsible That's right. That's and right. take everything into moderation. That's um, exactly right. Yeah. No, I think that's although, uh, although I gotta say, like, we're back on Fraser at the house, and like, that's not that's moderation, not moderation right now. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I, I love Fraser, it's a great show, it's a fantastic show, it's great writing, one and of the best. Everyone loves it, but I gotta see something new in my life, like, something new, different. What, do you, what have you guys been watching? Have you anything else you guys been watching that's been like distracting you guys? We just watched um, both seasons of Succession. I love that show so much. That show is terrific. Yeah, okay. I, I told Man. you I ran into the Culkin. Oh, you did? Right before. And I just binged watched it. And I'm on this corner in this past, I don't know, February uh, for the Golden Globes or January. Literally, he pulled up at the corner with his wife and a little newborn. I was like, you oh, are funny. the greatest part of succession. He it's shook my hand. That's probably the job. last time celebrities shake hands. It was just before yeah. COVID came. Oh, man. Yeah, he, he, is, he is a champion of that show. So Such funny. a great douchebag. Oh, my God. Well, the, Who's the guys that are going film? to that club and they're on Who's the railroad this? tracks? Um, uh, Mac Macaulay Culkin's brother. Um, and uh, he's one of the main characters. Kieran. Kieran Culkin. Yeah. He's also in uh, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. He plays the... Uh, uh, so good. And when yeah. they're on those tracks looking for that club... Oh, God. So good, dude. It was so like fun. how many times you... I just remember as a kid, like in New York, going to like parties or clubs somewhere. And it's just like, wait, is it this building? Or is it like... <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> and people have doubts. Well, the, the, the genius <laughs> of that show, and this fits into the death of Stalin also, is like that... Uh, they're, the story of this family on this show is essentially modeled after, like, the Murdoch's, uh, the Murdoch's right? And, <laughs> pardon me. So, like, you're dealing with these extraordinarily, like, perversely rich family that's all, like, you know, they, they, they basically, they're terrible people who fund the worst aspects of our culture. <laughs> you know, like, they're really, really horrible. Um... Yet the show is written by, uh, it's like, it's very aware of criticizing them. That's basically what the show is about. But because they're all such great characters and the actors who are you playing like them. them are so good, you really like them. You do. And you're yeah. rooting for them, even though you may be totally against what they're doing. And it's, it creates such an internal conflict when you're watching the show. It's hysterically funny. It's yeah, and it's done. funny. I think Karen Culkin is kind of like the Buscemi character. He is the biggest survivor, even though mm -hmm. he seems like the biggest fuck up because he really he, he sees things in such a different way than all the other family members. Mm -hmm. And he has such a unique perspective of things and human nature that yeah. uh, you just root for him. And you know that even though he's kind of a douche, it's just it's great. 
I mean, well, he I, called, and he I knew people like, like that guy. You know, the, I'm the savvy moron, right? And yeah. and and this is like that's how he comes across. But as the show goes along, you're like, no, you're selling yourself short. Like you're much more aware than the, your seemingly smarter siblings. Oh, so great. And a really, really, real genius show. Like some of the best writing I've ever seen for TV. And of course, yep. you got like Brian Cox and all these wonderful actors in there. Yep. And uh, really, really killing it. Um, and uh, what's her name? Snooks, I think, the one who plays the uh, sister. Uh, the one who plays the sister. And her husband's um, so great. Oh God, yeah, he's hysterical. Super funny. The the two of them together have great uh, uh, anti chemistry. You know, and uh, uh, and like yeah, the entire like, I could watch an hour's worth of any one of those characters' stories. Um, uh, it's so it's so well put. The together. brother is so good out in Arizona. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, no, terrific, man. It, I, I, I just, I think that's the such a great show. I, I could binge watch that again. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it, it's, it's sad that there's. I mean, there's only two seasons of it now. Like they're going to go for another season. But I, um, I yeah, I kind of wonder where the third season's going to go um, because I, I just felt like that last one. They kind of had it just. It, it really changed the course. It became Queen of the South all of a sudden. Um, <laughs> the last one, you know, when they're in the boat. Oh, I, I actually I love that one because of its sort of Queen of the Southness. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, that's the problem. It just right. it just like packaged it up so fast where everything else breathed, and so right. that's why I was like, eh. But I I um, I definitely um, I definitely think that's a a great uh, show. I've been watching The Wonder Years. Oh, I've heard of this. show. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> You know that the the house from the Wonder Years is actually like three blocks from my house. No, no kidding. Yeah, that's such a good show. Good house really? too. That's true. Yeah, it's like right down there somewhere. Yeah, it's a good it's a good uh, little show, and yeah. uh, so I've been. Yep, that's good research for it too. Yeah, dude. It's like I totally forgot. Like, but just like the setups and just stuff. It's really good. So. Um, I totally dig it, but um, you know, oh, oh, it's you know just to throw one the last thing in on Succession. You know, what's interesting about that show is the creator of that show is the primary writer uh, on uh, the show, The Thick of It, and Veep. Yeah. So <laughs> Succession, actually, yes. I'm looking at it now, like directly connects to the movie that we're talking about. We're not yeah. even off. We're not, okay. we're not even off topic. So uh, no, we're not. And we're not actually because I actually want to talk a little bit about that whole thing. Like, so if I watch Veep is like, here's an approachable version of an alternate American history. Right. <laughs> right. And then you look at this, it's like, we're going to approach this movie that is factually history and just apply it. Like it's an episode of Veep. Like it felt <laughs> like an episode of Veep in exactly. some ways. Like it, Although, it almost feels like an episode of Three's Company. <laughs> like yeah. yes, and then it goes like, oh, really dark, and it's like it can't possibly be that dark. And then you realize, like, oh no, this is actually based on real history. Like yeah. that's how. Like it's so fucked up that it like you realize it's based on history. Although the gags and everything else is still being delivered to you like it's an episode of Veep, which is what's brilliant, by the way. It's yeah. really good, really good delivery and very interesting. Don't you so, think it would make a great show all by itself? Like, I think that Netflix should make the Death of Stalin show. Yeah. 
like 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 hey here's Stalin and then like I don't I don't think people could take it very well. <laughs> well, like okay, actually no. You you already have it. It's succession. Yeah, basically, right? <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to I'm going to erase all that and say say that again in a different way. So some people will not take it so well, but some people will. Yeah. So do you feel that at this point we have been able to find niche audiences that would like not everyone's going to like this film. Not everyone's going to like Death of Stalin. Oh, sure. Right. Yeah. That and 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 there's a lot of people that won't like it. Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure that anyone that listens to Martini Giant will get it and be involved in it because there's only one reason they like us is because of some of the styles of films that we like. We're not talking about, you know, Avengers. We're talking yeah, about right. other types of films. So those people will probably like it. But there are certain kinds of people that are going to like certain kinds of films. Mm -hmm. And therefore, I feel that a film like this is only possible because there is a window of opportunity to deliver these kinds of films. Yeah, Do you yeah. feel that that is the case? Do you feel that there are other films that are being delivered in this way that we can work with? Well, I think that things that, like, it's hard to say because things are changing so quickly right now that yeah. it, it's really hard to uh, get a bead on where we'll be in the next six months. You know? Yeah. Uh, and uh, I definitely agree with, like, the sort of the nichification uh, seems to have gone very well for Netflix. Um, but they're also, like, what, what's another strange thing that's happened for them is, like, now that they put up their... Netflix top 10 for America, right? Like almost Netflix un... top 10 for America. Yeah. Like the, if you that? scroll on your Netflix um, page, it'll set, it'll tell you what's the top 10 are on Netflix for the U S that day. And it's just part of the, um, the setup now. And okay. I didn't know almost, that, but... almost uh, uniformly. I only know about three of the things on it. Uh, and I'm wondering like, what does that mean? Like, Netflix has become so much of its own sort of uh, uh, environment that, uh, like, I realize that uh, I am out of the popular culture as defined by Netflix. <laughs> like, Netflix right. has its own sort of hit movie list, which I, I was looking at it, and I was like, it felt like I was looking at the list, and I was like, I feel like a visitor to uh, America, and I don't know any of these movies in America's top ten. That's really You know, weird. I honestly, I feel Chris, I'm just going to go on a limb here. I feel what a lot of Americans want is kind of like streaming series but early 70s America. They want to go <laughs> I, back to the core of that. they want to go back. The core of like, say, like rock and roll and other things like that. They want to go there. And that's just my thought. That's just my thought. Just out, just to throw it out there. I'm going to throw, throw it out there. And I, <laughs> I hear you. Maybe true. I hear you. <laughs> and you have some valid points. I think there's a lot of I'm, people that do want to go back to this. There's a lot of people that do want to do that. There's definitely escapism, but I don't know if it's the early 70s. Well, well, 
sure. But the fact is, it's interesting, is that not it's not so much that, like, I don't recognize any of this. Because my kids tell me about all these, like, this person is like, who is that? It's like, he's a famous YouTuber. It's like, oh, yeah, I that's no a whole different idea stuff. who yeah. you're talking about. Right. And but to most of the kids in her school, they all know who that person is. And it's just, I'm sure the way that, you know, if, if I said Steve Buscemi to my parents, they would go like, oh, sure. who the fuck is that? Well, right? there's a, like, there's, there's that to an extent. I, I totally agree with you. I mean, the thing is, man, I got, because of, you know, like, I have a, uh, uh, you know, a 12 year old in the house. So I'm very aware or more aware of YouTubers than other people my age. I like, right. I know who Jacksepticeye is. I know, like, I, I know a lot of these, I mean, like, I'm, at least I have a passing, um, connection, uh, to that, that sphere of media. And I can see how it's developing, and I and I, I understand that it's changing into something that's, you know, outside of my zone. But I still know about it. I guess you know, I, right. uh, it's easy for me to keep it, uh, keep track of it. And uh, you know, like that goes for TikTok and all this stuff. Like I'm tangentially related to this stuff, and I can kind of keep up with it. So I feel mm-hmm. like for someone like that, for you know, a personality like, you know, um, uh, 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 you know, Jacksepticeye on YouTube, right? Like. That's how, when I was talking to my mom about uh, Harrison Ford in 1983, like, she'd be like, yeah, I've heard of that guy, I guess, you know, and she had. Where I'm looking at the Netflix Top 10, and I'm like, okay, so what is Dangerous Lies, or Den of Thieves, or Never Have I Ever, or Working Moms, or Outer Banks? Does it you know any of these things? Right. <laughs> like, he's in the Top 10. I was just like, there's a whole section of the country that I am, so, I was, so, I was like, I wasn't even aware of this, whatever this is. This is so. A, that's my question. Does that matter? Well, it 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 certainly like the Netflix top ten feeds itself, right? But um, should you be? Is it important for you to be part of the generation that knows what that is, or should you say, "Fuck it, I don't care." Oh, yeah, I'd no, rather I'm, I'm just watch what I want to watch. I just find like I just think it's really interesting that like that Netflix's top ten is uh, not only was I sort of unaware of uh, of this uh, and the shows that are popular on it, but like uh, which is interesting by itself. But it un- like Netflix prior to the top ten was niche centric in the way that we were formerly discussing, right? Mm-hmm. And people were like we were finding these these uh, finding these weird little things and. You know, like I'm a fan of like Dead to Me and stuff like this, which you know may not have been made before. Um, but uh, with Netflix putting up a top ten, the fact that it's in the top ten means people are going to be more likely to click on it, which puts it higher in the top ten. So it's right. a self-feeding mechanism, right? And that top ten, all everything in here is you know, these are all Netflix shows. Let, wait, wait, wait. Now let's go back to music. Let's go back oh, to music. I just, well, I just want to finish this one quick point. It's like okay. that, that these that everything in there, at least a bunch of the things in here, are things that were created, I'm sure, by the Netflix algorithm. And so yes. you like these are shows that are built around the Netflix Netflix algorithm, and then they're supported by its top ten mechanism into yeah. being top ten shows, even though nobody was aware of them they suddenly become top 10 it's a strange yeah. self-feeding cycle that i don't know but what that isn't means. that the whole concept behind top 40 music yes exactly. top 40 music is the same idea right yeah. right so that's right against the and niche, so right? if that's, you look like, back at the, the 80s the 
If you look back at the 80s when top 40 music was still a big thing and Casey Kasin was sitting there going, That's right. Climbing That's- up the top and blah, blah, blah. Yes. And then in the, now if you listen to people who say, I love 80s music, they're not listening to what was top 40 music in the 80s. They're, they're listening, listening to, to the what cure. people called alternative music, <laughs> exactly. which was the not popular. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. it goes, that goes to exactly. my Casey Kasin theory. You hit the nail on the head. It really is. When you look at those charts, you have to put yourself back there. I had a roommate in high school who just listened to Casey Kasem. And I had, you know, my Who bootlegs and Clash bootlegs trying to learn the songs on guitar. And I'm like, you know, Totally Clips of the Heart is great. It's it's a stupid song. It might make money for the composer. It's a well-crafted pop song. But it's crap, you know. REM right. is where it's at, you know. So I don't care. I don't need to listen to Casey Kasem. So when you look at these algorithm stuff, it's the same thing. It well, just thank really, you. it's That's really what kind of artist do you want to be? I'm, I right. never listen to Casey Kasem because I don't want to be spoon fed. Right. Well, this is the so thing. Like you, the you niche, said exactly the what niche I was audience say. is like actually going to be understood, and the niche audience doesn't actually have a voice until much later because people right now when they're like they listen to 80s music they're listening to music that was actually very unpopular in the 80s absolutely they're looking at they're listening to the cure they're listening to rem they're listening to people like that it's like oh this was great it's like do you realize what you think is 80s music was actually unpopular yeah, like if you went back to the you're not time listening machine, to Def Leppard, Striper, <laughs> yeah, Striper and Def Leppard. That's what you'd be hearing if you went back. Yeah, but this is so. Yeah, you like you're you're exact. You're thinking exactly what I was thinking, which is like, so that's the top forty mechanism, right? And now, formerly, I was thinking that it would be Netflix serves is going to build its backbone off of its nichiness, right? And then Hollywood will be making Avengers movies, then those will be for theaters. I love know, big those expensive, films. whatever it is, and then Netflix will be like be feeding off of people's. Uh, niche interests and feeding that way. But now Netflix has created its own mini sort of microcosm of the Hollywood top, top 40. 10. Exactly. Exactly. And so I was like, this divorces streaming into a, it, like it turns it into an entirely different um, media that is no longer concerned with movies as movie theater movies. Like it's a very it, interesting point of view. Yeah. You know, and I think that like it's, for, for good and for bad, like, between, like... Uh, Do you uh, think people are going to rebel against it within Netflix and go, I don't want that movie because that's too popular. I, I want to find yeah. something niche towards me. Because I believe that a lot of the teenagers out there, especially, mm-hmm. are going to find something that's like, nah. Yeah, they want the fresh new stuff. That's, that's, that's cool. not in the top. The top, the top the 10 top. is not what I yeah. want. I want right. something that's me... That's right. pop, like you know what it is. It's going to be like Vin Benders. Everyone's just all kids are just going to be like, I want to see Vin Benders film. Suddenly, yeah, exactly. Now it's it's all suddenly, uh, yeah. <laughs> everyone's like, you know what? I want something really. It's slow called the Benders effect. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's right. Dude. Totally. But no, I think I think you're right. It's like the like I I think that certainly you know younger younger audiences are like they're going to be largely YouTube from starting from you know age 25 and younger, like. But Netflix itself uh, turning into essentially completely taking over Hollywood, not just Hollywood, the big, the, you know, like the, uh, the indies or Hollywood, uh, you know, middle, middling dramas. Like it's, it's television, uh, movies, indie movies, and mega movies are all now 
the in the Netflix ballpark because the number one on the list for the top ten for about a week was the uh, Chris Hemsworth action film Extraction, which is oh, essentially he's just so a, handsome. Cake Wapo. Seriously. And and it's you know, it's not a bad movie. It's I watched it, it was a pretty good action movie. But like that is the Rambo of its time, and it was seen by no it was the biggest hit Netflix has ever had. Which means that if you put together every Rambo film that ever came out, twice as many people as that saw extraction that week. It's crazy. You know? Like so between COVID nineteen and the way that Netflix has just started running this system, I think, like, movies are... I was just like, oh, shit, I thought movies were going to change slowly over the next couple of years. Like, they're going to be gone. <laughs> like, that entire ecosystem is getting destroyed as we as we sit at home. It's, it's yeah, unbelievable. The movie, the movie theater system... It's going to like you're not you're not going to go back to the movie theaters and want to openly give twenty dollars and pay you know ten dollars for a bag of popcorn anymore. Yeah, that, we're done. And, unless they and of course, not just combine, movie theaters, but every well, studio that's plugged into the movie theaters. Yeah, Paramount, they, all those guys. unless they combine theaters with wet markets where you could get something. Oh, that's a good where, idea. Yeah, I mean, I think that, <laughs> it's done. Dude, the first great the Hollywood, <laughs> Hollywood, hold that Hollywood pangolin. I got a movie. <laughs> you know, and we 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 talked. You know, like this 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 is a a much more extreme version of what happened in the sixties and seventies. Where like, no, we have to reinvent cinema. Like, cinema is done. Like, the theater as, as system, it was, the this the studios and the way they work. And Hollywood, the way that it works, and the movie theaters, and all the, how they're all interconnected. Interconnected. You're right. It's over. <laughs> like, it's over. It's over. You could tell it's over. William Morris Endeavor just laid off a ton, a shit ton of people yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah, everybody it's is. It's a... Yeah. Because you can't do this anymore. The, like the whole economy is 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 insane. Yeah. yeah. Like it can't work this way anymore. Yeah, it's really wild. I've been like, I, we've been obviously you can track how we've been talking about this for the past year, but it wasn't until um, essentially until we're all locked in that that just accelerated uh, that collapse by a factor of a thousand. And I didn't really realize the import until I saw that. Netflix but there's some thing. irony in this because it accelerated the collapse of the production, mm. but it did not certainly did not. Ex- I mean, it it accelerated the demand no, the demand is for radical. content. Yeah, the demand is the now demand 100 times is, greater than it ever was. Uh, like, like way higher. Like, we want really good content, but we want it v- much more specifically and immediately, right. as opposed to... I have, I have a question to to the theater. for you guys. Yeah. What is everybody's take now on Quibi, now that it's out a couple months? I think that Quibi got knocked out by COVID-19. And I, and I mean that seriously. Like, it's like, yeah. I, I was actually interested in Quibi because, like, I, I spent a lot of time riding the train to work. I did, you know, like five hours of train riding a day. And I was like, the, when I saw the ads for Quibi, I was like, this is really high-end production. And it's only being offered on my phone. I would, I mean, I watch, I download and watch um, Criterion Channel movies and watch them on my phone when I'm riding to work. And maybe this is a good idea. And especially, like, the, the, the limited length of the episodes. Like, there are, like, 10 and 15 minute episodes. I, I'm pro that just because it makes for tighter storytelling. 
if you watch episodes of BoJack Horseman, some of the most emotional stuff that's ever been done for TV, and these are 20-minute episodes, right? And so I was into it, but then it came out literally the first couple of weeks that we got shut down, and nobody is watching anything on their phones. They're all watching another giant screen TVs. And I think that uh, there's no way for them to recover from that. Like, people want the the 65-inch experience. They don't want to watch anything on their phone. That's not going to happen yeah. anymore. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, you work from home. I don't, like, I don't know. I can't quite figure out if Quibi makes sense. Listen, to me, Quibi doesn't make any sense. But, you know, I'm almost 50 years old. I'm a different person. I don't get it sometimes. It's fine. Right. But to me, it doesn't make sense. I try to ask my kids about that. It's like, does watching a TV show, and they're like, why Why would I do that when I can just watch YouTube? That looks literally the oh, yeah, totally. question, right? Totally. And, yeah. and they're right. Yeah, they are. <laughs> you know, right. they, they, I'll just they, watch YouTube entirely because, but, and I don't have to pay for YouTube, right? right? So I don't see any reason to pay premium premium content i'm already paying it like you know you look at from my kids perspective and i know my kids are different it's like you know i'll watch fraser when i watch want to watch fraser and my parents are already paying for 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 hulu or netflix or whatever fraser's on and then when i want to watch my you know video game episodes i'll watch video game episodes so i don't see where quibi falls into something that they want to watch Oh, right. I don't think it, it could Especially be if it's 10 minutes. Yeah. Like, if it's 10 minutes and then you have to wait for the... Do you have to wait for the next episode? I don't know how it works. Well, I, I think they I think they released them all at once. But more to the point, like, you know, if you're talking about people that, like, the generations who watch YouTube, like, they're not interested in anything like that, even if it were, you know, on... Right. Like, they don't want that kind of content, even if it were on YouTube. Like, YouTube, YouTube is its own ecosystem and its own ec- entertainment ecosystem. You know, right. like they don't, they don't, people that are watching a lot of YouTube aren't watching a lot of scripted stories on YouTube. Like mm-hmm. they're watching personalities and watching personalities that react to other media maybe, but like there's not a lot of like sit down and watch a moviness to it. You watch movies on Netflix or you watch it on Disney plus, whereas mm-hmm. Quibi was trying to sell essentially TV shows and movies, right? They're, they're a version of that. And so the, right. the, the niche is already pretty narrow. It was trying to pick up. Um, essentially the commuter version of Netflix. And uh, I thought, like, I didn't think it was going to be a giant hit, but I was like, they'll find a way with this. Because, I mean, there's a shitload of people that w- that can make use of this. They're, they're going to have to change their business model a little bit. But I thought that, um, I thought they would have a little bit of a chance. But, like, you know, you go on a train today in the metro downtown LA, that is an empty can. Like, nobody's there doing nothing. And so the Quibi's, Quibi's core audience is gone <laughs> like yep. we, we are either netflix or we are youtube but there's nothing there's no one in between anymore yeah yep right that'd be my bet i mean the thing is i think it's interesting that like like i bet netflix is actually worried about the the generational drift to youtube as well because like the uh, scripted storytelling is not big on you know uh younger groups agenda and Netflix is entirely based on scripted storytelling, and uh, as uh, their as their main audience, meaning us, uh, ages out, like they're going to have to start 
trying to find things that are closer to what YouTube offers um, to sustain their business model. Which is ironic because that's pretty much reality shows. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So reality shows in general, that only appeared because of the writer strike. That's true. Yeah. Because we used to make fun of it. Mm -hmm. Right, like Ed Ed TV or whatever the hell that movie was was <laughs> right. a parody With Jenna of Jenna Elfman stuff. and Matthew McConaughey, yes, uh, I, and as well as uh, the Truman Show. The Truman That's Show right. was a parody of a reality show, right? Yeah. So yeah. we used to like, oh, this is what TV is going to become. It's going to be about like watching other people's lives and like yeah. and as and everyone's like, that sounds like a horrible dystopian future. Yeah, guess guess again. Fun's guess, over, yeah. Jerry. Fun's yeah. over, Jerry. <laughs> that's, that's pretty much what TV has become: is watching other people's Jerry. stupid decisions. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing is, like, and not even in a, in a sort of like a uh, game showy way, like most reality TV. Like, you're just watching other people's lives, like clipped together, you know, like updates on their lives. And like, I'm as interested. I, I watch a bunch of this stuff, you know, like uh, via the kids. You know, I guess I I see this stuff, and I'm like. It's kind of cool. I like these people. Like, they're just like yeah. buddies, you know? And I can totally I see the attraction of watching these things. I watch a bunch of fishing episodes the same way. Yeah. You know? And yep. so, like, I think that that's the, like, what was really weird is, like, you know, with the, uh, like, this this whole period, like, if you try, try and think, like, 60 years from now, the way we think of, like, looking back on the 60s and 70s, like, imagine ourselves, you know, 50 years from now, looking back on this, and saying that, that was the time when everything changed. And in the 60s, uh, 60s and 70s, it was a span of maybe, you know, seven to 12 years that ended up mm -hmm. finally in Star Wars. But what's going to happen for us now is that is going to happen in about three years. Like it's less than three years and everything's going to be unrecognizable at the rate we're going right, right. now. Yeah. Which is not bad. It's just that I, it's hard to even know what to say about it anymore. We don't know what that future is, though. Yeah, exactly. That's, and I don't know what the, I don't know how to predict that at all. I don't really think it's a bunch of Marvel and Star Wars films either, though. No. Yeah. No. 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 That's not the future of filmmaking. Yep. I think you're right. I think that they were depending upon that being true, right up until like last week. Well, they yeah. were going to capitalize <laughs> on it, and then, and they did. Um, and the whole point, the, the, what's interesting, if you, if you go back to Disney, it's like Disney was all about character, right? So they, they, they develop, they develop the character, uh, universe. And so mm -hmm. the character universe is very important to them. Right. So started off with princess, right? Princess was big. Mm -hmm. Princess was really big. Disney, Disney really did a really good job if you go back to the 80s and, and 90s was about like uh young young girls yeah young girls were the audience right Ro role princess, models princess 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 exactly. princess princess right. princess right and you do that and you deliver that audience and you get that and then you keep that going right so young girls were were, were tuned in so they needed a little bit more than the young girls audience and they found a neutral ground with pixar mm -hmm. which was pretty good right so pixar was pretty good uh 
mid nineties or so, they started picking up Toy Story and then they, they were doing it as a delivery. They ended up buying Pixar, brilliant. They got Pixar. Pixar was a little bit more gender neutral, which is mm -hmm. good. They needed a male audience more specifically mm -hmm. to get, or more specifically young, young teenager uh, or young male audience. Marvel, great. So now we yep. have Princess and Marvel. Yep. Done. Brilliant economy system. Mm -hmm. Now we have both of these people, all of which are based on characters. So women want princesses, or maybe they don't want princesses anymore because mm -hmm. they've outgrown that and that is sexist. Great. We've outgrown that model because mm -hmm. now we have Marvel. So now we have Marvel female her heroines. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Perfect economic, uh, uh, economic factor. Parents mm -hmm. are going to love us because now we're promoting female strong characters right. as Marvel characters. Either way, we're still getting your kids. We're getting right. your kids. We're getting your kids. It doesn't matter, right? Because what we really want is 65% or more of our income comes from theme parks. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Right? So we want to make sure that you come to our theme parks to see your Marvel character. That's right. It's your story, whatever. And so the entire film industry for Disney is a marketing for their uh, travel. Theme parks, cruises, et cetera. Yeah. Travel, park, right? And mm -hmm. that is destroyed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So destroyed. Why do you do right? when when you're trying your lead in stuff is destroyed? Right, right. Meaning, so yeah, what exactly. Do you do? Meaning, right. like, what do you do if you're trying to bring everybody in for uh, the, take the cruise ships and the cruise ships are destroyed? I saw satellite footage today. I don't know if you guys saw that or not of the cruise ships of the cruise yeah. ships all bundled up and hanging out together. <laughs> yeah, did say, you see yeah. that? Yeah. No, I haven't. Yeah. Dan, did you see it? I did, yeah. Yeah, they're all in Bis they're in the Caribbean, and because no port will take them, so there's like thirty something cruise ships, all sitting in the ocean, you know, off uh, Barbados or whatever. Yeah, for friends uh, that enjoy the book Snow Crash, this is awfully funny. <laughs> it's crazy. So there's basically all these cruise ships that yeah. are sitting in the Caribbean doing nothing with, yep. with people with a, with a, you know a, a captain on board, obviously. Yeah. They're and like they're their just, own little state. They can't go anywhere because they're banned. Yep. Right. Yep. Yep. And sure. on top of that, some of the other irony is that they're asking to get a tax relief. That's right. But they all put their taxes in the Caribbean and they don't pay taxes. <laughs> so, yeah. Good times. They're not getting <laughs> it, though, I hope. And then I heard uh, Carnival Cruises is offering, is trying to start up again and offering uh, tickets on Carnival, on Carnival Cruises for $28. No kidding. It's like a yeah. Greyhound yeah. bus. But if you get COVID, you get a $1,000 bonus. And free yeah. shrimp. <laughs> yeah. And that's the great thing. You get free shrimp, free shrimp COVID. <laughs> COVID <laughs> delicious. It's delicious. COVID cocktail. Beautiful. I think it's going to be years before anyone goes on a cruise ship again. It's uh, going to be hard to get ever, people to do that. My to God. be honest. My God. Ever. They're yeah. going to turn them into uh, something else. I don't know. It's it's sad. 
Yeah, I think that uh, I think you're right, man. It's love like... uh, we should do a love <laughs> boat episode of of uh, with the Andy Warhol as the guest. Oh, that'd be great. That he did. Gavin McLeod chilling with Andy Warhol. <laughs> I think he guessed he was a guest passenger once on a sh- uh, episode. Did they actually have Warhol on? Yeah, I believe so. Oh, oh, this Polaroid. Have camera. you ever have you ever seen the site uh, Love Boat Insanity? No. Is uh. It is a site dedicated to doing fake opening credits to the Love Boat. <laughs> really? And so they have, uh, they have like the little, um, you know, like the porthole with the this the the guest star in it. Yeah. It'll be, <laughs> like it'll literally be like you know uh, with special guest star. Uh, 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 let's, let's see. Uh, Roy Cohn. <laughs> it's so great. Wow. It's so bad. It's totally up my alley, dude. <laughs> I'll send you the link right now. It's so funny. They have a uh, special guest star, Bigfoot, and they use the Bigfoot, uh, the Andre the Giant Bigfoot from the Six Million Dollar Man. It was amazing. <laughs> Love Boat Insanity. I'm on the page right now. Perfect. Um, uh, send that to you. That folks. is good. Actually, I'm going to tweet it. I'm tweeting this. So now, uh, well, as the show it can comes uh, back to like what we're talking about, like practice. Th- there is going to be a major change in the way that we consume entertainment. Though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I know. it's and part of us deserves that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we were talking about it before, like just a year ago, before any of this shit happened, like this is going to happen. And now this thing happened and suddenly a company like Disney is possibly in yeah. big trouble. They are. Right? They're, well, you they, bring up, they, like, I, they have their... So, not- so when we're talking about like Marvel films, like Marvel films are not going to ever be the same. We're not going back. We're not going to another 10 years of fucking Avengers films anymore. Yeah, for, first we're of all, done. it's going to be hard to get done, people right? in the theater, right? Like the Avengers have made their, you know, they've told their story, right? Uh, yes. Me, they're trying to do a, they're trying to kickstart a new wave of those things, but like trying to get people back in the theaters now to start new superhero movies, that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen yeah. anytime soon. Like people We're will done. move on from that, right? We're also, done. same same with Star Wars. Star Wars is going to be a TV only experience soon. Yes. You know, I like they're going to Mandalorian. I, so and, I finally watched Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Meh. Yeah, right. I mean, it's good. It's it's well made. It felt yeah. like an. It felt like I was watching the A Team. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, like it's it's standard. I'm sure it was way more expensive than the A Team, but it felt like I was watching the A Team. Yeah, that's basically the the mo- And they're they're operating. I mean, I think there's there's some really good episodes of Mandalorian, and it's a good show. But its basic model is standard Disney television. Like it's not any different from anything else they've ever done. They just do it with a bigger. Budget. Well, okay, okay, but it's not. It's actually much weaker than that because <laughs> I don't actually care about any of the characters. Right. Except baby, like the Mandalorian himself, and Werner Herzog. I care more about Werner Herzog than I care about the Mandalorian. As you should. 
<laughs> what because is Mandalorian? She at least delivered a fucking performance. What's Mandalorian? Where is it? How can I see it? It's, it's, it's on a Disney, Disney Plus. It's a Disney Plus thing. And Werner mm-hmm. Hartzog is in it. He plays a bad guy in it. Really? But, like, oh, Werner, he's genius. Yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah, and he's genius and he's great. But like, I care about his character because he's a fucking actor and he knows how to do it. But I don't care about the Mandalorian. Oh yeah, do I? Cares. Yeah, I, mean, the, I, I have no connection to that character at all. But I used to care about the main character. And what's that show know. now on? I'm not Netflix, but it's that the guy standing with a kid and they're in a desert and there's a big spear. Is the ad? What? I'm not sure. There's a new show, and, they, and it's uh, Netflix, I think. Oh, no, it's the Amazon one. Uh, I know what you're talking about. Yes. Why am I name blanking on it? Guy standing, it's a guy standing with a kid? Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, and it's, it's. oh, God. Uh, on Eric, Amazon? Now you have me all st- uh, okay. fumbled on this. I'm on it. Um, there's a disc in the desert. Yes, 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 yes. It looks like a Pink Floyd album. Amazon, I think it's Amazon Prime. I don't think it's Netflix. Tales from the Loop? Tales from the Loop. That's what it is. Yeah, what is that? It's a science fiction show, uh, and it's based on the uh, paintings of Simon uh, Stalinhug, um, who is a great science fiction painter. Uh, yes. And, uh, and there has been a, like, they, they've built, like, a, uh, a setting around this group of paintings that he did uh yeah. that is also uh from my i'm from the role-playing game community it's also they did a um a tales from the loop uh role-playing game as well uh like dungeons and dragon style and so this is all part of that same branding and packaging and it's directed um by and i i tried to think of his name again hang on it is tales from the I'm not going to get away this time without saying his name. You know, guys, while we were talking, I'm doing the artwork for uh, finishing up Wes. Oh, this is very, yes. For Wes Anderson? Yeah. I'm doing the one where everyone's sitting in the uh, prison with Harvey. Oh, so good. Nice. So good. All right, let's see. Let me find this out this time. Shoot. I, I blew it on his name last time we talked about it, and I can't remember it again. I'm so embarrassed. Who directed Tales from the Loop? Joseph Goebbels? No, the other guy. Okay, Mark mm. Romanek. That's it. There we oh, go. Mark Romanek. Mark really? Romanek. Yes. Really? I have a, I have yes. a book of his. Get yes. out of here. Yeah. And uh, I, I've, uh, I, I believe I worked on at least a couple of Mark Romanek spots yeah. at DD, right? Um, yes. And, yeah. Uh, and he has done some really great, great movies. He did uh, uh, Never Let Me Go, uh, which is a really wonderful semi-science fiction movie um, based on an Ishiguro book. He did uh, Heart and, Video uh, with Johnny Cash. And, yeah, he's right. really, really, he's very, very good. And... Uh, no. um, uh, and I was I, once, once I saw that he was involved, I wanted to check it out, but I have not gotten to, to see it yet. I also like Stuhlbarg's paintings, um, but uh, I've managed to instead watch all of Succession instead of a brand new science fiction show. I'm a little bit embarrassed about. Succession's awesome, dude. <laughs> yeah, so we should. I just love that show, man. It is amazing. 
really a beautiful show. But yeah, no, that's a, like that is a uh, that like from what I've seen of Tales from the Loop, like it really is like that breakout niche super weird sci-fi stuff. And it seems a little connected to Stranger Things. And it's I got to check it out. Done. I got to check but, it out. Uh, it does look very pretty, I'll tell you that much. Um it looks good. It looks yeah. cool. It definitely looks like a Pink Floyd album. Oh, totally. Yeah. Division Bell style at least. Yeah. Yeah, little wish you were here. Yep. For sure. If that kid's uh, arm were on fire, I'd be wish you were here with a little kid. <laughs> That's right. Or, or That's right. Uh, Zepp- It's the same design company that also did uh, Zeppelin's Presence. Oh, it's a good one. Yeah, it's a fine The design. same kind of stark artifact. You see that the, the guy from, uh, uh, what's it called again? Died. Um, God, forget it. Don't We're to terrible me. at remembering names tonight. It's really bad. Um, from German craft, um, uh, uh, craftwork. Um, oh, craftwork. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, that's too bad. I was a big craftwork fan. I had Those a couple. Guys. I I was into like, but I was into Prague rock and stuff like that. Totally loved that stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm a Yes fan. I'm a. Uh, I was a huge Yes fan, dude. Yeah. Were you really? Absolutely, still am. I yeah, I was. We talk about, I was a huge Yes fan. I that was the first like I paid to go see a concert in '78 at the Garden was Yes. Oh, it's so good, dude. I mean, tell me the truth. Was that the thing that sealed the deal for you on um, Buffalo '66? Yes, one hundred percent. We've already talked yes, about this before. Yeah, I know. But but close to the edge. I love. I love parallel yeah. lines. Uh, uh, going for the I was one. seven. I was seven and, when you and went I love. Um, I was. I was. I love close seven. to the edge. Yep. That's just masterpiece stuff. Yeah, that's definitely. They were so yeah, good, was, man. Yeah, I retroactively and, got into yes because when I was a kid, I really loved. Uh, um, what was their uh, their number album? Fragile Nine, roundabout. No, that was just it was just the shipping number. Owner of a Lonely Heart. Yeah, that one. It was nine. Yeah, that was eighty three. But they brought yeah. Trevor Raven in to to like do the guitar work. Right. Yeah. And I because I, I was into back. I got I got into them sort of backwards because a friend of mine really liked, liked them. But I was into so I listened to that album and it sounded a lot like uh, uh, Alan Parsons Project, which I also yeah. liked back then a lot. And uh, yeah. and so Mindy then I Sky. Went back oh yeah, it's great. It's great. And he was the and, engineer uh, for the Beatles, though, wasn't he? Yeah, Alan Parsons. Yeah, I have seen he Alan Parsons in, in concert. Recently, <laughs> really? <laughs> yep. So I'm still Sounds I'm still a prog rock yeah. nerd, dude, without a doubt. Yeah, I saw him. Uh, I saw him in LA. Um, I don't know, a couple of years ago, I guess. Still rocking it out. Quite good. That's Quite good. so cool. Yeah, that's totally. That's prog rock. So, were you into Genesis? Oh yeah, well, like uh, Lamb Lies Down on Broadway. Down on Broadway. Oh, My yeah. brother was into Genesis. I did not like Genesis. Oh, I was uh, I was a big Genesis fan. Big Peter Gabriel fan off of that. Yeah. And um, like all of Peter Gabriel's weird early albums, like the Melty Face, the uh, the Car one, all that stuff, really great. Love all that stuff. The one thing uh, he did, I I know that P- um, Daniel Lenoir produced Sledgehammer, which I'm, I love Daniel Lenoir, but I'm not a huge Peter Gabriel fan. But mm-hmm. he did that Stryker uh, Hill. What is it? That's you know that Salzburg Hill. Oh yeah, Salisbury Hill. Dun, yeah, dun, Salisbury dun, Hill. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, a... I saw I saw on Netflix. Uh, what's his name? John M- Mulaney, oh, comedian. Yeah. Funny as hell. 
He did a kid special. Have you seen the John Mulaney kid special? No. No. It's on Netflix. It's interesting. Um, definitely. Oh shit! I, I I took out my my kid's gecko and I'm playing with him and he's just like jumping all over the place. Sorry. Um, <laughs> but John Mulaney uh, uh, did a thing and it was like it, it's pretty funny. It's a kid special. Um, but uh, Peter Gabriel. Not Peter Gabriel. Um, uh, what's his name from Talking Heads is on it. David Byrne. David Byrne. David Byrne is on it. Is oh, yeah. on the kid special. Oh yeah, that's it's, nice. Teach him well. Yeah, you, you gotta watch it. It's like, what? Like, there's some serious like celebrities on there as well. Um, pretty good. Pretty good show. But we got to get back to a little bit just for our audience. Get back Can I get another drink while you swing, ring around? Yeah, get, get, Let, me get, 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 Let me juice up. Get, get, you, you me get yourself Thanks. another a red wine. <laughs> Beautiful. It's a very nice, la- nice loungy evening on Martini Jean. I know. <laughs> I got my. I got the gecko on my – you can see it on video, not the R. Yeah, your video is not moving, so I can't tell. Can you see that at all? No, you're, you've been still for about um, half an hour. Oh really? Yeah, your video paused and never came back. Okay. Well, I've got I, I a little gecko on my. I am playing with uh, because uh, the best place for me to record my podcasts are in my son's room because he's got enough big furniture in his room and big mm-hmm. soft things that the the soundproofing is going to work. So oh, yeah. Uh, uh, it, it's going to work. Oh. Did you get a message on your screen that says, are you still here? Oh, I just got booted. Are you still I there? Got, I think I just got booted. Hang on. Am I still there? Oh, it's still going. It's still recording. Yeah. Uh, yeah, still recording? Yep. Still oh, recording. shit. I hope Eric is going to still be there. That was close. We'll see when he comes back. Because I, I just had to push a button <laughs> that said, I'm still here. Eric, uh-huh. Eric, quick, 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 quick. Eric, are you still there? Here he is. Eric, hey. are you still yes, there? Yes, sir. I'm back. Did you yeah. get a message on your screen that says uh, you're about to get booted? No. Okay, good. We're back on. That was close, All right. Man. Anyone listening, <laughs> sorry about the technical difficulties. Did you have a technical can... difficulty? Almost no. did. Almost did. Almost did. It says, are you still there? <laughs> because we're going on two hours, I guess they, they asked that question. Yeah, they just don't want me podcasting into the night. <laughs> My snoring. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> but you're still doing good. I'm hanging out with Marco. Marco, uh, Eric, do you see? Do you see my moving video? Oh yeah. You see my little gecko? Okay. Mm-hmm. So. All right. That's Marco. Let's go. Cool. We got our two reptiles at our house, and Marco is uh, and Marco is uh, our, our 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 gecko, and then Basil is about to shed his skin. So he's um, he's our python, and we're gonna let him do his little shedding on his own. So he has to deal with his own thing. Let's get back um, to Stalin. I love it. I hate to say it, but let's get back to Stalin. <laughs> yeah, at least in terms of topic, not in terms of actual person. 
Now let's talk prog rock and Stalin. Oh man, Stalin would be a great name for a prog rock band. Only with two I mean, L's and, and a generally speaking, <laughs> I mean the idea of delivering, finding a way to. If you look at like movies like Jojo Rabbit and the Death of Stalin, and I gotta think watch about, Jojo Rabbit. You I haven't seen really it yet. Like it. Yeah, no. it's very good. Nope. Well, I'm not going to say how you're going to feel about it because we've actually all had very different opinions about things. But I'd be curious to see what you think about it. Um, but if you look at that idea of villainizing <laughs> or making jokes out of things you can't make jokes out of, a different way of looking at that perspective in right. some way, right? It'd be interesting. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big fan of finding ways to make uh, uh, make things that shouldn't be funny funny, and uh, right. And right. The, these these movies definitely do that very well. Doctor Strange Love as well, and uh, I, it would be really interesting to hear your uh, uh, your thoughts on that, Eric. It's a it's a really really but good. Doctor Strange Love did it at a time where it was very dangerous to do that kind of thing, right? Oh, I can't even imagine what that would have been like for people. I mean, I know it was a big hit, so people did like it, but like the the people that didn't like it must have been horrified, you know. Like that is right. a, like in the in the middle of like, you know, a period of time when you really are thinking we could be incinerated at any minute, <laughs> and yeah. making a big right. joke out of it like this. It's a, it's astonishing to me. And but I, sometimes I think you're pushed to that corner so, where you so have again? no other choice. Sometimes you're pushed to that corner where you have no other choice but to be funny. I think it's the right thing to do. I think, yeah. it's, I think it's the it's it's the wisest thing to do. Gallows humor. Yeah, you know, and I think that uh, there's another another movie that I really really loved um, that I, not too many people have seen, which is also made by the guy who um, uh, did Succession. Uh, it's it's so strange that Succession is connected to, um, uh, the, the Succession is connected to Death of Stalin, uh, as well as Veep and all this other stuff with the same creator, right? Uh, and uh, this guy also did a movie called um, Four Lions, which I thought was hysterically funny. Um, but it was a it was shredded when it came out um, because it is a comedy uh, set in Britain about these four suicide bombers uh, who are trying to mount a terrorist attack on London, right? And this is after actual terrorist attacks on London, and. Uh, and the movie is an incredibly smart, very thoughtful, and ultimately very meaningful movie. But the way that it comes at it is like we have to treat this um, with humor, otherwise we can't even think about it. Like it's too terrifying to think about. Uh, and it ended up being an incredibly good, um, uh, very thoughtful experience. But like people were so shocked that someone tried to make a joke out of it that they didn't go to see it for you know years well, after. <clears throat> But it's the same crew that did Death of Stalin and then Succession as well. Interesting. But I, I couldn't help but think when I was watching Death of Stalin that it felt like a more advanced version of Veep. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. I mean, Veep is a really good show. Yeah, it's great. Veep is played dark, more just for a straight But it's much laughs. more approachable. Yeah. Like, Veep is just ridiculous. Like, I mean, it's a good, snide, funny 
sharp show. It's got, it's got right. sharp elbows. But then the, when you involve Stalin, it's like, oh, this is the same thing, but with Stalin. Yeah. Oof. So you're making a different movie. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. Like, I think that uh, Veep has had some really great, uh, you know, some sort of sharp commentary and some really uh, rich things to say, but mainly it's about the jokes. Like, that is a, it's right. a movie, it's a show about being cringy and letting Julia Louis-Dreyfus be the genius that she is. And, uh, right. and that's what that show is. Um, you know, like, I don't, I don't, I've never come away from Veep thinking that, like, I learned something. I just think it was hysterical. But I definitely came away from Death of Stalin feeling like I learned something and it was, and it was unpleasant. <laughs> right. Yeah, it was not good. Yeah. It's a hard, hard, hard film. It's a secretly hard uh, gut punch. And uh, that, that's the stuff I really, really appreciate. And even it, though it is it's definitely a warning because it goes into it. If you even, and I think, let's go back, let's go back a little bit because if you watch the trailer, it's like, oh, this is going to be a silly, goofy movie about Stalin and it's going right. to be a comedy. And then you, yes, yes, it is. I would say by watching the trailer, if you didn't know anything about Stalin, you would not assume that you're going to see someone burnt to death in a yard. <laughs> yeah. Right. I don't think that's on the list of what you expect from that film. <laughs> but right. You and then it. you're going to see you're going to see a bunch of goofy stuff and it's going to be really funny. And yes, you're going to get a bunch of goofy stuff and it's going to really be funny, but then you're going to see a bunch of really disturbing stuff too. No, I and do so have a question. It's very subtle at the way that it's delivering you its history, right? Yeah, absolutely. Now, do you think that this is a good quarantine movie, or is this too depressing? Because I've actually not watched things because they've been a little bit too downbeat for me. I've put them off because I'm just like, I today I'm not feeling it, man. I just uh, the world is too grim, and I can't. It's uh... def. I I think it's tough to watch yeah. in quarantine. If yeah. well, it depends on the person, right? If they want to like fuck it, I just want to learn a bunch of things. Yes, right. Then learn this, learn learn that part of history, right? Because I think that's an important part of history, but. Uh, if you want to be distracted and want to, uh, you know, avoid reality, then no, because <laughs> exactly. really, it's gonna, it's gonna. This is home. this is not good. Yeah. Like, in fact, <laughs> you can look at this, especially when we talked about like dismissing all the doctors. Oh God, I know that t hits all the way too. I had close the same reaction you did, man. I was just like, I was like, oh wait, that's not funny at all. <laughs> Right. This is like No, we we killed is... all the doctors because they yeah. weren't telling us what we wanted to hear. Yeah. Oh. I think I've seen this in the yeah. news. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know if that's it. the case in Russia at that time though. It totally was, dude. No, they didn't kill them because they weren't telling them what they didn't want to hear. I think what Stalin was doing was killing all the intellectuals and killing all the Jews. Killing the, just generally the intellectuals. The intellectual yeah. class was, right. was, was... So they were all just professors, yeah. academics, anybody it, was going they to... They didn't Siberia. want anyone that could outsmart them. Right. Yeah. Uh, a, I don't see what the difference is. Well, also yeah, Jews. Yeah, yeah, and also a, a, a running favorite They did, of, yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, you know, the pogroms, right? Or the they Jews just left. Yeah, well, I mean, but they, they again, also burn whole Jewish villages. What are you, what's the diff? I'm, I'm not just saying that Jews are, are more intellectual or anything else, but they did, anyone who had 
any education was oh, sure. dismissed. Was was, was right. out. Absolutely. And yeah. in the countryside, so, you, had, like, you had millions of people that were just you know, like like stuff that like it was horrible. Truly, truly horrible. Like that guy was an absolute ruthless mass murderer. And uh, the you know like the pogroms and all you know all the it was, it was you know he's he's definitely on on uh, on track or worse than Hitler. And Hitler is not where you want to be. Well, I think <laughs> yeah. Stalin was what sixty million people. Yeah, yeah, horrific, absolutely horrific. You know, and yeah. so like to see him. I mean, it's almost better going to this movie not knowing too much about him because to see him as like a laughing jerk, you know, it's so it's such an affront. You're just like, oh my god, like this this dude. Here we are joking about him like watching cowboy movies. You know, like the dude's mi murdered millions of people, literally millions. Yeah, it's just insane. Totally insane. But yeah, an old no, boys the... club though, wasn't it? Oh god, yeah. It's nasty. Oh yeah. But they're going to be making the same I I hate to be political, but they're going to be making the same movie about, you know, Mike Pence and uh, and these and those chuckleheads uh, you know, in 20 years. Like the, the they will yeah, the Mike the... Pence movie will be like he, he was like secretly dating some marine who you know yeah, who worked the security I think that's detail. True. I think that's it's just like true. totally. That's that's where that's going. It's like I mean, I it's think just the only the, saving grace for Mike Pence is if he, the uh, VP if he gets cast in the Johnny the Quest seal. movie. Maybe I'll, I'll learn to appreciate him. <laughs> that's about it. He was a highly decorated seal. He was <laughs> vice president of the United States. They that's both right. had something in common. That's Love. right. That's right, man. I, I I would watch that movie. That's a movie I would watch. Get uh. Like, uh, right I don't know why though he would do that because his wife's hot. I I don't think that he uh, thinks about it. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> kidding. <laughs> um, either way. Wife, his wife way. looks like his mother actually. It's the funny thing. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, yeah. Yeah. What a fella. What a good guy. Um, strange. Strange guy. But it would make great comedy. I hope that Yanucci uh, gets around to making the, uh, the the Trump the Trump movie uh, post post Trump. If we ever get post Trump. Uh, that uh, he would be my top director to take on uh, this uh, that 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 the Trump movie. Oh man, you know it's coming. I mean, it's it's. I mean, I'm serious. When I was watching this, I was at the end. I was, oh shit! Like we're we're we are ostracizing all the intellectuals. Mm -hmm. The same thing. It's like oh, it's the same fucking thing. Yeah, yeah but it's every four years. There's yep. hope. Then That's right. There wasn't. That's yep. the big difference. Yep. Truly. Yep. So you got to roll it out a little bit and roll with the bullshit. Yep. And then get somebody else in. That's what, what we got to do. That's what we got to do. But I really gonna... actually thought it was hilarious that they, 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 they portrayed Stalin in such a lower class. Mentality. No, it's just a, such an like, oaf. But they were. They yeah. did, but, but like they were, like, yeah, just well, a bunch of jerks, man. He also, who did he have assassinated in 1923? Um, who was his partner in the revolution? Was Trotsky? Yeah, he had Trotsky yeah. murdered. Yeah, who wasn't that one right. of the lines in the in the movie when uh, when uh, uh, at the dinner table they're like, oh yeah, whatever happened to that guy? Yeah, and punk like, rock or something. Yeah, yeah same like, thing. The they were all started the revolution together. And he, they literally just threw him under the bus yeah, and cool. murdered him. We sent him to Siberia to like break rocks with his forehead for two yeah. years or something. Yeah. Something Absolutely. which he can't survive. So, 
um, really pathetic. Yeah, that's uh, that's the whole you know, communism works, man. But uh, <laughs> it totally is just shows how the system. Everybody just thinks of their their the true nature of human spirit. It's just they're just thinking of their own self interests and how to get ahead. And well, that's I, it. Think that, like, I think that like that it it flexes with uh, the situation. I think that like you know like you have. You know, people, you know, people mean to do well, and people want to do right by their families and treat other people well, and all this kind of stuff. I like, I have faith in humanity in general, um, but like, if you have a system which the only way that you can get ahead is by screwing other people, like, it's going to fall apart pretty quick. Yes, and that's why it doesn't work. And so, I guess, like, the reason why the reason why I think these systems don't don't work is because ultimately people are good, and I do have faith in them, and that's why bad systems can't last. You know, like they just, they just, uh, they just eat themselves, you know, like they, they pop up from time to time, but you know, it's like, you just can't, people won't put up with it for very long. And, mm -hmm. uh, and it's a, and I think that movies like this remind you of like, it isn't the, it isn't the system itself. It's not like, you know, it's like, like communism itself is not the poison. It's the people that, uh, it's the corruption within it. And that happens in any system at all. Yeah. You know, and I uh, think the and, well, hold on. I think the other thing about this film, Chris, and I'm sorry da to interrupt, Daniel. Mm -hmm. Communism is not the poison, and neither is capitalism. That's that's exactly where I was going. It's the same yeah. because I, capitalism is an is actually a really nice idea. Yeah, right? it's, it, it's the, a perfectly it's same a good way functional that system. Communism is, is right? right, because it allows for the growth and of everything. Uh, right. And so, I actually believe very strongly. I actually believe in in capitalism in a lot sure. of ways. I think capitalism yeah. can lead to a lot of different issues. Uh, obviously, well, capitalism like itself is, is not a form of government. Like that's the problem. Is we like people want to treat it like it's some kind of government, and it's not. That's the whole system. point of capitalism. Right. Capitalism is a form of economy that yes. relies on an, a government that is not involved. Right. Right. Yeah. So if government is not involved, that's how capitalism can. So it becomes a form of government because it is the form of government not being involved. Right. Right. And, and, and I think that like there's a, the, the, the balance, like the balance that we have generally is pretty good. You know, it, like it's been leaning one way more than I like, you know, for a few decades now, but um, but for the most part, it's trying to offer balance because democracy works. <laughs> democracy is good, and it tries it tries to put baffles and controls on a system getting too far out of control, but giving it enough room to operate so that we can, you know, have a good life in this country. And I think that for the most right. part, that's yeah, you know, for a huge number of people, it works very well, as opposed to many other countries, which you know, like this. Like we have our rich and we have we have the one percent and we have you know the very poor, but it's not like compared to other countries where things are really really quite terrifying. Uh, like you know the standard of living in, in the United States is generally fairly high, and that's because we don't have a uh, a uh, um, uh, you know a, a really hardcore dictator, <laughs> you know, something like that. Like we have a decent system where two people try to treat each other well. But that being said, you can see how. Like we have corrupted our system by allowing people into the leadership positions that mess things up, and that's what happened um, with uh, the communist revolution as well. And so, like when yeah. you see similarities between 
who's in power now in the United States and who's in power even like minus even Stalin, obviously, but like, uh, like just the, the way that people had to do business back then is so treacherous and backstabby and paranoid that it just can't last. And, uh, I think that's what we're headed for. It's like as, as, as much of the country as supports Trump and his crew, like it just can't last like that. Like that's corruption breaks itself. And Are you? So I, oh, I, I have I'm hope okay. that it will go go back to normal. Do you like Joe Biden? I'm I'm okay with Biden. Yeah, he's not my he's not my first choice, but you know, like we 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 can, you know, like I think that it's a it's a it's a more stable route and be on the same path that we have. It's interesting because I was trying to like I was trying to figure out how we can go through this podcast without actually talking about politics. We didn't talk <laughs> about politics. No, I, well, we have to because that's the whole point of the movie. The movie is very political in a lot of ways, right? And and, and it's very upfront about communism, which is right. also like that's <laughs> I was actually really I was really happily surprised about how upfront it was about communism. Sure, because exactly. you know it's presenting as like, yeah, uh, here's the communism and here's what it's dealing with right. and everything else. And then also it's like Stalin was like, uh, you do one thing that steps out of line, you're, you're on dead. the fucking list and you're dead. Yeah. Like it's the guy. Judge Judy approach. And I'll tell you, it works. <laughs> it gets done. Oh my God. <laughs> it. Judge Judy He's, he was right the Judge on. Judy. <laughs> Have you oh, heard that, that Gary Busey is going to do a Judge Judy thing? Oh, no, God. God. Yeah, that, that's, yeah, that's waiting about, for him. About pets. Comedy. It's, it's the, he's going to do the Judge Judy for pets. I love that guy. Can you imagine that's your life? Gary <laughs> like, Busey? Living the back Gary Well, Busey it also life. shows that even as an actor, you can still get work if even if you don't have a frontal lobe. And that's the cool thing about <laughs> this business, Gary. right? <laughs> Good old Gary. Well, he's a rising star, right? Actor is a loose term. He's an entertainment artist, and he's uh, he's entertainment artist is a better way to look at it. Yeah, that's very true. I agree with him. I agree with him. Yeah, but yeah, no, I think that uh, like this this kind of movie, uh, like it it really it sheds a it sheds a strong light on uh, 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 on our current situation, and that's why it's a powerful film. Um, yeah. But I also appreciate that you do come out of it having learned a bunch about uh, uh, history as well, and you didn't even realize it. <laughs> yeah, like that's oh, deaf right? business. But yeah, no, that's a great, it's a great movie. And I think that like it's a it's a good way to because like it's a way to offer critique of uh, the current situation without getting people's hackles up about their partisan politics. You know, like. You don't have to take a side about Stalin. Here's Stalin. would be so like, great. No pro Stalin side. <laughs> you know? It would be such a great exercise for you to like get the complete reels of like an Avengers film and then this movie and then try to cut it as one film. <laughs> well, right. you you go to the you watch the end of this film and you that'd really, be a great challenge actually. I yeah, you're right. Uh, <laughs> you watch the end of this film and you're like, um, you know, as I'm sure a lot of people do, they're like. Oh, that was really weird and funny film. And like, oh wait, that was real? No, no, yeah. no. Oh, did you just realize what you just watched, which was really bizarre and fucked up? 
was not some PBS special, <laughs> right, right, right. over dramatized, whatever. Right. You were just duped into watching history. Mm -hmm. Like there's a way of like watching history in an interesting way. So as opposed to it being some boring PBS special, right? Oh, without a doubt. Because if you watch the trailer, it's like, that's going to be hilarious. I'll watch that. Like, you're fooled yeah. into watching that. Yeah. I'm a, I only read history. So for me, it's like, that was a great For film. you, it's perfect. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't like science fiction. I don't. I mean, I like dramas and, and, and fiction, but I, I'm not. You've gone through I, this, Eric. No, we haven't. This is my first show. And so... Um, <laughs> But yes, the point is, I, I like this film a lot. I actually might pull a Dan and watch it like four more times because yeah. there was a yeah, lot. It was very was, heavy. It was so dense. Definitely. There's a, yeah, there's a lot of stuff going on. And yep. it just was bad. What, what? And it just moved, which was great. But it's like you have to watch it a couple times. Um, oh, man. Like the, the one bit when they're like, they're just trying to, uh, you know, the army guys are trying to take down um, area. Right. And two guys just happen to walk in while that's happening. Like two guards, they the palace guard. And, and, and the head of the army just goes, it turns to one of his cohorts and just goes, oh, go kill them. All right. And yeah. they just go off to go kill those guys. It's <laughs> like, what? yes, what's happening? <laughs> Chris, you should ask me what, try to, I'll guess the time. Okay. Yes. All right. I would say, yeah. Two twenty nine, two hours twenty nine minutes, ten seconds, twelve yeah. seconds, very close. Oh, yeah. I was off. Okay. It, it yeah. Just for everyone to know, normally when we do this back in our office, we I have control of the entire situation. Eric has no idea, but he is actually looking at a screen that has a big clock in front of it. And uh, and a dog, Shashu. No, Shashu. Shashu. Little Chihuahua. Sure. Little Chihuahua. And you can hear Chihuahua. all the Yeah, he no, gets no, all no, the... no, to be fair, Eric is making the kissy noises. <laughs> right? Mr. Chash? Hey, What's going on oh, there, bud? Big yawn. What's your favorite period of history, Shashu? World War One. He said World yeah. War One. World War One. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 1918. Right. That was such a beautiful film. <laughs> I love that movie. movie. I, I like that quite a bit. It's a good movie. I have not watched it at home. I'm, more, I'm looking forward to watching that on the uh, huge screen. Yeah. Have you, I'm did you watch buy it. a copy of that? No, I should, but I just, I got Criterion, so I'm blowing through that. I watched oh, Diva. Right. I love that film. Oh, Diva's great. That's a good one. Yeah. I haven't checked out what's new on Criterion. I think they have the, the for May, they have finally put up their new ones. Uh, I've been going through my backlog, and uh, I haven't added the new stuff. But uh, here, I'm taking a look at it as I can right now. And what do we got on the Criterion list? Yeah, I'm in the middle of rewatching Irma Vep. Have you seen that? I think I talked about that last. Oh time. yeah, Veep or Irma Irma Vep? Yeah, yeah how do I know Vep. that film? Yeah, it's it's great. It's got uh, it's a um, Olivier Assayas movie about uh, making the remake of uh, uh, Live Empire. And it's got Maggie Chung in the movie. Oh! So good, dude. Really, really great movie. Uh, let's see. I've also just watched uh, The Fits uh, by uh, oh. Anna Rose Helmer, which is really good. Uh, a great little indie movie. Uh, 
uh, rewatched Paper Moon, which is one of my. I love Bogdanovich. Yeah, unbelievable. Um, I watched Lady from Shanghai. Oh, I did too, dude. Oh god, the movie that. is incredible. incredible. I freeze the frames and sketch. It's brilliant. So beautiful movie. Such a beautiful oh. movie. Like I'm and and um, oh god, what's his name? Um, the guy who plays the husband there. And he has the two canes. Like I cotton? love that no. dude. Yeah, no, it's not cotton. It's uh, yeah, another Mercury Theater guy. He's, he's yeah, uh, he's in cane as well. So so fantastic. But uh, yeah, I did uh, let's say I'm looking at my list right now. I did Fail Safe and Doctor Strange Love, which is wonderful. Uh, Julianne Moore in Safe is uh, is up, which is an incredibly upsetting movie Mammoth? to watch right now. And uh, Mammoth? No, it's um actually it's uh, Todd Haynes' movie. Haynes. And, yes. Uh, it's Did you ever see his who, first film about uh, Barbie? Yeah, about the the Karen Carpenter story. Yeah. No, oh, what a picture movie! That, that, that's a that's an upsetting little movie. Really nicely done. <laughs> man, oh man, it's like they shave it, shaving away bits of the Barbie doll. <laughs> like, oh my god! Heavy duty. Um, but yeah, no, it's been a it's been a good uh, it's been good Criterion days. Salesman, rewatch that one. Oh um, yeah, documentary. One. I know that Criterion's been Criterion's been killing it recently, dude. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Criterion. Criterion. Oh, and Karen. Uh, let's see. Oh, Criterion. Criterion. Yeah. No, it's been really good. Yeah. Really, really good stuff. Uh, I'm just going through their page right now. Uh, there's a bunch I got to put on the list. I didn't even know some of this stuff was up. This is great. Uh, I do like their. Uh, they've got a category called Saturday Night Matinee. Yeah, that's great. Some good stuff up on that. Yeah, we watched the Godzilla. I suggested Godzilla. we do the Godzilla. We should do that in the first oh, one. Oh, for for for. I sent an email about that. Yes, you did. Yep. Yes, you did. That's right. That's yeah, not that's a bad a, idea. I love. It's really love, a serious film. It's a cool film. Oh, it's 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 beautiful. It's very it's scary and it's moody yep. and it's like really wound up in history. I mean, that's a yeah. And really, we did really a uh, harsh move. last night. We did uh, she loves my daughter loves Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the first one. Yep. Oh, really? really? I like the, uh, one the, the 70, 79 one's my favorite, but I totally uh, agree. yeah, some good business, man. I like uh, the fifties one. Seventy nine with uh, 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 Donald Donald Sutherland. Donald Sutherland. Yeah. And uh, and uh, what's his Leonard Nimoy and uh, Jeff Goldblum, right. Nancy right. Cartwright, I think. Uh, yeah, it's really good. That's a great one. And uh, yeah, wow, they really have a lot of good stuff up here. Yeah, no, I've been I've been very happy catching up on my Criterion. Um, uh, but uh, I have to say, five hours of Until the End of the World has been the steam stealer for me. <laughs> I got to do that again. I got to do it. I saw it, but there's no way I can watch it with my daughter. So I got to do oh, it. Oh, yeah, of course. No, Solo. Yeah, you can. Actually, it's actually very watchable. Yeah. It's, it's just a lot of patience. Yeah. We have to do a movie that I um, I think I might drink the whole bottle tonight, Chris. Just a side note. Side note. Um, is that uh, The Vanishing from 88, that French oh, film? Oh, yeah. That's a horror oh, movie. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. That movie scares the shit out of me so much. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like I got to see it again. Yeah, that's an upsetting movie. That's a brilliant film. Yep. And uh, oh, and they also have a double feature up. I just spotted it. They have a double feature of Mulholland Drive and The Liney. 
You tell him I'm coming! Oh, yeah, Terrence Stamp, man. Uh, so it just got taken off Criterion, or maybe it's still on. Uh, Delicatessen is on. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. So, yes, Martini uh, Brand Martin so recommends. So, uh, we watched with our kids, we watched uh, Amelie, right? Oh, yeah. Great movie. And we're like, Very sweet. great movie, right? And yeah. And we were like, we don't know if they're going to get it or if they're going to like it or like how it's going to react with them. It turns out that our kids can read subtitles really freaking fast. And yeah. A lot of kids can because they're in school and they're used yep. to reading a lot. So it turns out don't, don't uh, dismiss a movie because of subtitles, because it turns out with YouTube and everything else, they're actually pretty used to subtitles. Yeah, it, that's a whole phenomenon. So, yeah, absolutely. So just, because a movie has subtitles, don't say we're not going to watch it with our kids. Do it yep, because you'll be surprised how fast they can do it. It was never a distraction for them. They yep. loved Amelie because awesome. it had a lot of character development in it. Uh -huh. A huge amount of character. Oh, it's, and, and it's so uh, darling and, we, and romantic. It's beautiful. It's so funny you say that because uh, on Olivia's wall in her room is a Japanese poster for Amelie that I got yeah. years ago. And then uh, Isle of Dogs Japanese poster. Oh, <laughs> so, good. so great. That's fun. That's what well, first of all, uh, um, I think that Olivia and Lily uh, should meet because I think they're going to be very similar sensibilities in terms of their <laughs> taste. Uh, anyway, then we decided, well. If we're ever allowed out of our house. <laughs> yeah, I know. And then we decided to push the limits and, and, and see uh, Delicatessen and they love because oh, that's great. much darker than Emily, obviously. Sinister movie, but it's a fun one. But I loved it. They loved yeah. it. Yeah, absolutely. That's yeah. great. That's great. I think those are the type of things that, like, mm, let's push the limit I, of what we can do. I think, I think that's the best thing to do, man. I'm, I'm a big, I, I think, you know, do it, do it responsibly, but I think it's a very, uh, it's a very good thing to do. Like, uh, expose yeah. people to stuff like that. It's really, that, that uh, it's good all around. Um, because also both, both, both of those films have uh, strong sex scenes in them, mm -hmm. uh, but they're dealt with in a very comedic way. Yeah, it's okay. It's sort of a gentle way. Yeah, it's a it's mm -hmm. in a gentle way, as opposed to yeah. brutal way, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, whoo, it's a little embarrassing yeah. because you don't want to talk about it, but it was still like terrible. irreversible. Yeah, yes. no, it's not no. way like that. No, kidding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly thinking, the opposite of. I would hold I off on showing, uh, like, will your kids irreversible? <laughs> yeah, we're not showing irreversible, but to, I would say you but might want to wait for them. You know, especially like they've learned about sex; they know what it's about in some ways. I'm like, but to them, like, I don't want to make, I don't want to make sex this horrible, like. A lot of times, especially yeah. in the Puritan era of the United States, sex is seen as murder. <laughs> yeah, right. It's equivalent. Yeah, as right. opposed to a natural progression of life, right? right. And so that's... And healthy that's and excellent. Health, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. No, it's very true. I, I think those are, great, those are great examples. I totally agree with you on this. Uh, I'm also going to throw out, I'm, uh, I'm going through my, uh, just as we're recommending stuff, on uh, Amazon Prime, I want to throw out, I think, Eric, you're going to agree with me on this one, 
uh, on Amazon Prime, Blue Collar is out. Oh, yeah, great film. Uh, that's don't say. It. Uh, that's um, Schrader. Uh, that is uh, Paul Schrader. Yep, Paul Schrader. Schrader. Yes. Yep. Yep. And oh, that Richard in, Pryor. Yep. Harvey Keitel. Oh man, um, was that cool? Yeah. Great, great film. Absolutely and Offit Coda or Moffat? Uh, yeah, Yafit. Yafit. Uh, from Alien. Yeah. Uh, That's right. And uh, uh, gosh, where is it? Hang on for a second. I, yeah, I saw another one. Um, so yeah, Blue Collar is up. Uh, uh, Army of Darkness is up, which is hysterical. And also um, a movie that I haven't seen in a long time. One of the weirdest. Uh, this is up there with, um, you ever see that Gene Hackman movie, um, Night Moves? Yes. Yeah, yeah, I'm a big fan. Of, I love with BB King. BB King yeah, like, did the soundtrack. Yeah, the Night Moves. It's an extremely moves. Weird, <laughs> upsetting movie, and I don't recommend Night Moves for everybody. But it is a really great. No, movie. no, no. Night Moves is Arthur Penn. Yes. Yes. That's and, with James uh, Woods in it. And it's a yeah. It's a really it's a brilliant. I semi love movie. that film. And yeah, you want to know really something good. really strange and bizarre. Is they shot that scene James Woods' house? They mm-hmm. rented Graham Parsons' house of the Flying Burrito Brothers. <laughs> and when they were shooting it, that's when he died of a heroin overdose. No kidding. Uh, yeah, the movie feels like that. That's it's very appropriate for that film. It's not depressing, but it is depressing that he died. But I'm saying it's that's that's literally Graham, Graham Parsons' house. But I want to put as a double feature that if yes, if people feel experimental, there's a movie called Cutter's Way. I know Cutter, yeah. Yeah, and that fits in along those lines very well. It's got John Hurd, who, uh, oh. it, yeah, and uh, and uh, uh, and uh, Jeff Bridges, and it's a strange, strange movie. Uh, it's a kind of a noir, kind of a detective movie, but it, like it leaves you feeling like, what the fuck did I just watch? <laughs> Jeff Bridges has done some interesting films. He did that really- one about American something when i was living in new york that was in the vent rental right he was like topless and it was uh he was like this redneck it was called the yeah. american something yeah what 1992 was that? 91 yeah I know right what you're talking about. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. He's, that was like he's a change career than just lebowski <laughs> yes what was that movie i'm looking 92 right yeah but yeah, so there's like this is the the good thing about uh, uh, quarantine is it's given me time to try to uh, dig through and find some strange choices. It's like oh, I'm so bent on catching up on what everyone else uh, is watching. But uh, speaking of Jeff Bridges, um, uh, I have been digging through. I have been writing an, a, a blog article for my uh, for my day job, and. Um, I needed a a good scene to illustrate what I was doing, which involves uh, rebalancing Ameri- values, and so uh, I grabbed uh, a good friend and listener of this podcast uh, sent me a scene, which is the Goldstein House. Most people are going to know it as uh, Jackie Treehorn's house from The Big Lebowski. <laughs> yes. So I have that scene file that 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 he built from scratch and it's That's amazing. Such a oh great work dude Brilliant. yeah so i have i have the max scene file that he gave me and i've been playing with it like to try to get the light but it's it's amazing to like 
how how minimal and and rich at the same time it's like that 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 a piece of architecture especially you know in the 50s and 60s it was like minimalism built around lack of minimalism right like so like <laughs> right. the whole point of this architecture is like the nature is there and you're trying to shoehorn a piece of minimalism into it it was quite amazing yeah quite I'm amazing sorry, how is his max file is it really super clean and yeah it's pretty good actually yeah, he's he's, good, he's a good yeah he's a good Max artist. I mean he's a good artist. I've seen that image. It's really impressive. Yeah, I think I think you know he has given me scenes in the past of like this isn't clean because you know like suddenly like I get a bunch of objects from him and it says box you know three hundred ninety five or two thousand yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. No. so that happens. And that's fine. Of course, it is fine because I just tell me, "Give it to me now." And he's like, "I haven't had time cool. to clean it up." Do you yeah. go through his render settings and his uh, shader settings? Uh, yeah, actually, I don't need to because he's actually pretty good. He's he's well disciplined. <laughs> no, I'm saying, do you look at his stuff and and copy them, get ideas? Like he, I'm sure his, no, his rendering he does settings. Not are... actually, no, because what he's supposed to do is not actually alter the render settings. No, I'm saying when you get his files, yeah, are they really like, oh, those are great render settings. I never thought about putting the shader like this. Do you learn something is my, I guess my question. No, but in this. Because okay. what he should be doing is not using anything. And this is something, well, we can go through this in a 3D conversation, but honestly speaking, He's doing the right thing, which is not to alter too much from defaults. He'll do the right thing to get his point across, but not actually optimize. Like he's not doing anything in his settings that are optimizing the rendering. Well, what's a default? When I open V, I'll have to ask you tomorrow or some other day. I mean, all right. Yeah, I'm going to ask you separately because. All right. Yeah. I'm confused because I thought you Default, had to optimize. Defaults are, defaults are good. Use a default. That's just okay. what I'm telling you. Yeah. I know what you're telling me that because I always just hack it open and try to have a hit list of what I should be hitting. Okay. Yeah. We can All do right. that. I'll tell you yeah. what to do. Because, yeah. I work for All the right. company. I know. <laughs> um, yeah, I might have to do that. I might have to do that. Um, there you go. Well, guys, Bertrand. who? Bertrand. Bernie. Oh, Bernie. Yes. Yeah. Um, he, he does it right, actually. He does a really good job. Now, we were going to talk about when our next show is, Chris. Uh-huh. Do we want to do this recorded or do we want to do this off the air? We're throwing mm -hmm. things out there. What do you got in mind? Oh, talk about it. Yes. Off so, the air. Uh, no, we can we can talk about it. Um, well, we did. We've already recorded. It has not aired yet, but we've already recorded our Woody Allen early Woody Allen, the early Woody Allen, which was uh, a pleasure to go through again. Right, and was rebels really are good. we born to be free? Just like so, we're going to do the <laughs> the mid Woody Allen at some point. That's and I'm right. thinking 
sometime around June, July nice. is where I'm trying to find a good spot for the mid Woody Allen delivery system. I like that. I like that. And that's going to be like, like Hannah Sisters, yeah. Brad, uh, uh, Broadway and Danny Rose, like that kind of Woody Allen period. Yeah, we've had around that. so like that, and along those same lines, I, I wanted to I wanted to say you know we should return at some point to part two of our time travel series. Oh, is, uh, time travel! Yeah, it might be time to get back to that. Yes, time travel part two. It's a good one. Been a good time in that first go round. Okay, Something time travel. Yeah. So let's think about that for close to future, cl- near future. Near future, near future, appropriate, near future. Near future time travel. Yes, we like that. What, what are some of the near future time travel things that you're thinking about? Let's see. Well, they, now, we, when we did, first did time travel, we covered, um, what was it? We did about time. And we about did... Time. Uh, 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 somewhere time in machine, time, somewhere in time, and uh, and the time machine, time machine, uh, FAQ. What was it? Frequently uh, asked questions about yeah. time travel. Right. So I think that uh, uh, next on the list could be uh, Primer, uh, which is one of the very greatest time travel movies, uh, uh-huh. and uh, one that I uh, uh, I just uh, watched uh, for the first time with my son uh, is. Uh, uh, Tom Cruise in what is now now renamed um, uh, 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 "Live Die Repeat." Oh, yeah. I, I mean, I've seen that many times. Yeah, a truly, truly great one. I don't want people to forget. Which about is that Groundhog right? Day? Yes, it's like yeah, it's which like movie? Video, it's like "Live Die Repeat." It's originally it was called um, it was called um, "Edge of Tomorrow." Edge of Tomorrow. Edge of Tomorrow. And. It's a and, really uh, good average... movie, actually. Oh, it's so good. It's so much fun. It's insane. It it's is a, really, it is a, really good. Really it, good. Uh, it's Tom Cruise. It's a set more set slightly in the future, but not far in the future. Tom Cruise is a um, is a military media guy who is sent to cover this um, sort of D-Day event where the troopers are going to try to take back Europe from this alien invasion, right? And like they're total crazy monster tentacle aliens who have overrun most of the world, right? Uh, but it turns out that the reason why they have been able to overrun the world is they have the ability to time travel and keep on replaying the same event until they win, right? And so the aliens overwhelm everything because they don't stop until they finally win the win the battle. But Tom Cruise gets the ability to time travel like they do. And so he gets reset to the same day, Groundhog Day style, until he figures out how to advance beyond that one day and uh, to see if he can beat the aliens. And it's What year so, did it come out? It was probably about seven years ago, seven or eight years ago. What's it called? It's called... Uh, it was uh, called Edge of Tomorrow. Right, but the, the, it bombed when it came out, but it's developed a little following after, as uh, a uh, film Afterlife. And that now it's generally referred to by its advertising tagline, which is "Live, Die, Repeat." And, uh, and so, if I was going to watch it tonight, I'd have to look at just Tom Cruise. 
Tom Cruise lived I repeat. And we'd get it. Okay. Live I repeat or Edge of Tomorrow. Edge of Tomorrow. And it's uh it's directed by um what's his name? Did uh, the Born the first Born movie. And Green so Grass? Uh, no, the other guy. And then it's got what's her name in it, who's really good too, from Sicario. Why am I blanking? Yeah, yeah she's she's terrific, and uh, it's an extremely fun movie. So like, just to put it out Pointer there, Pointer Sisters. It, Pointer Sisters, yeah, it was the first co-directing they've ever done outside of uh, Blue yeah, Ball. the um, uh, yep. but yeah, the uh, good call for people that will be listening to our time trial episode. I would say like definitely check out Primer if you have not. And I'm going to make an argument that we should cover Tom Cruise and Live Die Repeat as well. And we'll work on a third one. We'll figure out what the third one should be. If we haven't done it by the time you hear this episode, tweet us with suggestions. Right. That's a good one. Yeah. Okay. There we go. All right. I'm ready to give up because I'm tired <laughs> and I've you. been up for a while. Well, this is a uh, fine time, gents. I appreciate the uh, all the yeah. downloadings of the COVIDs. <laughs> the COVID Stalins. That's right. And we're, right. Uh, we're working up our way through it. Uh, all right. So uh, just, you know, apologies to everyone listening, but I'm going to ask our, our guys, even though I'm going to hit the stop button, don't stop your computers because i need to make sure that everything's downloaded absolutely so we're gonna, I'm gonna hang that. out here i'm scrolling but through the otherwise, list of, uh, hbo movies and it's unbelievable how much they have up here that i didn't know was up hbo hbo is actually doing great right now in it's terms really, of check it out they have an extensive collection of good 80s movies that i'm not gonna spend the weekend watching i'm very excited i know you know what i did it's like i uh suddenly Here's the thing: you get overwhelmed by this stuff. Like, fuck it, I'm just gonna watch Curb Your Enthusiasm or something like that. <laughs> exactly. That's what you gotta do. Yeah. Curb Your Enthusiasm is the national anthem right now, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> that pretty much covers absolutely uh, like, yeah. everything that's happening in the news. That's exactly what's going on. All right, you guys, ready? Yes. Yes. All right. Drink. Talk. Drink. Drink.